do it if it's not the real thing. She don't wanna do it if you ain't got the bill paid. All my boss bitches know I got the bill paid. But the twin sister that she paid me. Hey, hey, for the other J. I just changed my number, you can't call a sex. If you're lucky, you know when you was dressed. Like it at the parking. All these missed calls will never miss. And we are officially back. It is episode 37, I believe, of Keeping It 200. And we are officially back after two days off. I've got the guy with me, Tavon Jameson, of course. Tavon, how'd you enjoy your uh, two days off? It was all right. Yeah, it was good. Well, hey, um, we've got a lot to get into. Oh, man, what a big day it is today, July 1st. Uh, happy National um, Canada Day. Also, um, happy um, Bobby Bowie Day in MLB, who still gets paid till 2035, a million dollars a year. Wow. And he hasn't even played in the majors since uh, 2001, I believe. Hmm. Um, and, hey, happy birthday to No Dunks Inc. host, uh, J.E. Skeet's wife. It's his birthday today as well. So um, a lot of um, stuff happening today on this July 1st. Oh, man. Um, man, we've we've just been killing it, though. It is episode 36. I don't know why I said 37, but it is episode 36 of Keeping It 200 on July 1st. Um, Tavon, we've had a busy two days, but here's the, here's the thing though. Next week, it's just going to get even more busier. Um, of course, we've already now figured out one half of our NBA finals. It's going to be the Phoenix Suns. Congratulations to them. They make the NBA finals for the first time since 1993. Mm -hmm. Um, Tavon, um, I did have to ask you, what is your thoughts now on Chris Paul finally achieving his first NBA finals? He, you know, he's no longer going to be that player that's that was not known for going to the NBA Finals. He actually now um, will now be going to his first one in his 17-year franchise, or uh, 17-year career. Sorry. It's great. It's great for him. Um, I'm so happy for um, Chris Paul. He finally gets to go to the finals, so he could win himself a championship, so he can cement his legacy as. Pretty much one of the best point guards of all time. So, yeah, for all the injuries and all the setbacks in his careers, in, in his career, that pretty much um, stopped him. Now he's finally overcame that, and yeah, I, I feel so happy for him. Yeah, because remember when the when the NBA playoffs started in Game One, he injured his shoulder. And a lot of people thought that it was just going to be the Chris Paul curse again. He was quarantined for two weeks due to COVID, um, even though he never had any symptoms. And he's already came through two, you know, bad luck situations. You know, usually whenever you think of a Chris Paul injury, you think, oh, it's expected. But this time he's actually broken through that barrier and – you know, give credit to Chris Paul, but give credit to the Phoenix Suns organization as well. Monty Williams, the head coach, James Jones, the GM. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Give credit to Devin Booker. Uh, remember, Booker's now been in the league now. This is going to be his fifth year. And, you know, five years in, and he's already now making the NBA Finals. DeAndre Ayton, he's only been in the NBA for three years. Uh, the team, you know, is really built around a lot of players, you know, 
basically on a lot of last straws, Darius Sarich, a guy that, you know, was a Philadelphia 76er and a Minnesota Timberwolf and came to Phoenix. Cameron Payne was cut from three NBA teams, and now he's found his um, ceiling. Jay Crowder has been a defensive workhorse in this for the Phoenix Suns. Mikael Bridges, uh, a guy that's just been, you know, a good piece to just put around. And, you know, in wrestling, they would call it a good hand. Um, it, of course, whenever they call mm-hmm. you a good hand, it's usually insult. But this time, you know, for Mikael Bridges, is actually a, a huge compliment because Mikael Bridges does – the right things, and he, you know, he's a he's a worker as well. Um, but definitely though, and next week though, Tavon, AEW will be starting the the next five out of six weeks for AEW will be nothing but TV specials. Uh, next week on NXT, we have the Great American Bash. It's mm-hmm. WWE NXT's only TV like special um, till Takeover, of course. Um, I've been wanting to ask you this here, though, Tavon. AEW, next week, they've got uh, Road Rager. The next two weeks after that, it's um, um, Fighter Fest. The, in Charlotte, that um, fourth week, it's going to be Fight for the Fallen. The fifth week, they don't have anything. But the sixth week, they've got um, Rampage starting that week. So I've got to ask you this here. Do you think this is a lot of TV specials to be just, like, throwing out back to back to back to back, like – because because I've got because because I feel like they're going to be watering down TV specials pretty soon. Yeah, kind of. I mean, to be fair, I would have probably like spread them out a little bit. I love to, yeah. Yeah. Um and and you also have to remember too, Tavon, that next year AEW will be holding four uh, TV specials on Saturdays on TNT or TBS. And, you know, this is, and if they, and if they're the TV specials that what we think of right now, the fighter fest, the road rager and the fight for the fallen, I'm not going to, I mean, I don't think people are going to be excited for all these because these are a lot of TV specials and you can't keep delivering a plus matches because if you do, um, then you're going to be dragging down your pay-per-view because then, because then you're going to have to, because then if you're going to start sacrificing pay-per-view matches for a TV special, then what happens next? You know, then your pay-per-views are going to go down and then we're back to WCW all over again, because that's what world championship wrestling did, you know, um, all their with all their specials. And then don't forget too, what was the point of even trying to pay for a pay-per-view when stinking Hulk Hogan was given to you free the next night on television, you know? Um, so definitely it, it's, it's definitely a lot of things. Also want to give a special shout out to the NCAA athletes, not the NCAA itself, the athletes. Tavon, if you did not know today is now the official day. Now NCAA athletes, can now officially make money off their jersey, their likeliness, and others. Hmm. And which that means in the next two years, NCAA college football will be back and NCAA college basketball should be back on the video games. Hmm. Exactly. I'm, I'll tell you what, though. I'm looking forward to all this. This is actually some really good things right here. Very good things. Um, I, I've, did, I've always wanted to ask I've – I've got to ask you, though, Tavon, if – if you had to name one college athlete that could have actually gotten rich 
if this rule was around, who would you have named? Uh, you know, there's a lot of list people. In my opinion, I would say Johnny Manziel because he really, really was like worth a lot. Tim Tebow would be another one. Um, but who would you name in the last, you know, 10, 15 years of college athletes that could have actually really gotten paid if this rule was around? Ooh, 10, 10 to 15 years. Oh, man. Man, let me think. Um, I think... I think Cam Newton. Ooh, yeah, actually, actually, great choice, great choice right there. And um, and remember, Cam Newton, of course, had controversy when he went to Auburn because remember it was it was allegations and reports that had came out that Newton's father accepted a two hundred thousand dollar check from Mississippi State, where Cam Newton would go. Mm-hmm. Instead, Cam Newton went to the other SEC school, that being the Auburn Tigers. And of course, um, as history would have it, Auburn went 14 and 0. They went unbeaten. Cam went to the NFL draft the next year. He became a Carolina Panther, and the rest, as they would say, is history. But yeah. that is actually a good point because if, remember, Cam Newton actually started out as a Florida Gator. He was a third string quarterback for Tim Tebow um, in the Gators. So Cam Newton's actually, so Cam Newton actually could have been a guy that could have really, really made a lot of money that one year. I say Johnny Manziel because Manziel that year, um, Johnny football, he could have gotten trademarked, you know, in college. You know, he was literally, you know, despite the fact Texas A&M was not a great football team because everyone will because there are going to be people that are going to say, well, Texas A&M was a great football team at the time. No, they were not. They didn't beat Auburn. They didn't beat Alabama. They didn't even beat Florida. They beat LSU one time, you know, but Manziel was so popular that he could have made literally $5 million that year. He could have made $5 million, like, two years combined with all the merch that he that he was selling. Because, let's be honest, no one has been a Texas A&M fan since Johnny Manziel left. Um, you could say the same thing about Cam Newton with the Auburn Tigers. There, I, I will say, though, it's 50-50 because Auburn has maintained a very good football record over the years without Cam. Yeah. However, we all know in the SEC, the Alabama Crimson Tide run that division, and and they will probably be running that division for who knows how much longer. Another athlete in college basketball that I think would have made a lot of money would have been Zion Williamson um, yeah, with the Duke Blue Devils that year. Uh, John Wall with the Kentucky Wildcats uh, over 11 years ago could have made a lot of money. Um, trying to think of another college basketball athlete, J.J. Redick. You know, and then don't forget, I don't, and don't forget about the college athletes that were, you know, a little bit more, um, where you and I may have not been watching college football regularly, but guys like Vince Young, Reggie Bush, those kind of guys could have made a, mm-hmm. a lot of money themselves. So, um, but definitely, definitely a good day though for NCAA athletes to finally get paid to, and, and, and also to Tavon, you know, it, I actually, I'm actually so glad the NCAA athletes are finally getting paid for something now because it's not fair to go to college and then say, you know what, you got to cover yourself. We're just giving you tuition. We don't got to give you anything else. No, you. if I work on that court and I'm busting my ass during a pandemic, which, I, which I'm still very PO'd about from 
NCAAF from the from the fans from the um, committee and everybody that were saying, well, we still have to have college basketball games. That's bullshit to me because I felt that athletes deserve to get paid. No offense, you were technically a worker during a pandemic. That means that you were one of the. That means you were literally working through hazard, and you had to deal with COVID testing, quarantine, couldn't see your family for six months. I think that that's. I think that finally that they deserve back pay. If anything, Tavon, I really do believe <laughs> yeah, they deserve back basically. pay because. Because, because, for example, say, for example, you had a family member that was playing on the Alabama Crimson Tide or you had someone that was playing college basketball. You wouldn't want them to have to not see you for six months, say if it was a brother or sister, whatever. And they told and the NCAA said, well, you can't see your family, but you have to work for us and everything like that. And. You would have been insulted too because you'd be like that. Well, that's my family. You're putting them. They're putting their life in danger to pop a TV rating. And finally, though, I am glad that these athletes are getting paid and actually. And and and, and I know that this is not the. It's not gonna. It, it, I'm not saying that everybody tomorrow is gonna get paid. No, that's not true. But it's the first step in towards getting paid. It's the first step in towards athletes finally getting money because a lot of athletes do deserve to make that money, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying this for just basketball and football tennis as well. Um, Jennifer Brady went to UCLA. Of course, if anybody does not know who Jennifer Brady is, she lost to Naomi um, also in the tennis um, finals and she went to UCLA and she never made one dime. Uh, same thing with Naomi. She never made a dime in uh, the NCAA. So, so of course I want, Tennis athletes, basketball athletes, lacrosse, soccer, water polo, whatever sport you do, you deserve to get paid because because at some point it's all going to be on TV anyway. You and I both know this, Tavon. I mean, look at the Olympics. The Olympics has so many events, and not everyone's going to watch the Olympics. You you know that. No one's going to be watching late weightlifting like they will be with basketball. No one's going to be watching, um, you know. Uh, hockey like they will be the um, ice skating and all that but they, everybody deserves to get paid because you're going to be on TV somehow or some way you know even if, you know they have volleyball you know in the Olympics and they deserve to get paid too you know every, every athlete if you work if you literally in the NCAA you deserve to get paid so definitely proud of them and everything like that we'll get more into that in a little bit though however um, Tuesday night, we had one NBA game on tap. Wednesday night, we had one NBA game on tap. Tuesday night, though, Tavon, it was weird as hell because yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks, they lost 110 to 88. Here's the moral of this story the Hawks didn't have Trey Young. Mm. So their leading scorer was Lou Williams on 7 of 9, 21 points, 8 assists. Bodan Bondanovich, 20 points, 7 of 19, 6 of 14 from 3. Um, Kevin Herter, 7 of 15, 15 points. He was only 1 of 7 from 3, but he had 7 assists, 6 rebounds. For the Bucks, though, Giannis Adenokounmpo left the game early with a knee injury after 24 minutes of play. So he finished with 14 points on 7 of 10, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. However, before Giannis was injured, the team was still trailing. Uh, Drew Holiday, 19 points on 6 of 17. And Chris Middleton was 6 of 17 with 16 points. So both of them had the same 
field goals made and field goal attempts, which makes them 12 for 24 on the night, 35 points combined. However, the Bucks though, they couldn't shoot anything. They were 8 of 39 from 3, 33 of 84 from the field as a team. That's less than 40%. The Hawks shot 50% from the field, 34% from 3. Uh, out rebound the rebounds are t- tied at 43 all points in the paint Hawks won that 44 uh, 46 44 Hawks were up by 25 no lead changes just two ties at one point but they were all early and the Hawks won this game by 25 and Tavon tonight there's no going to be there's not going to be no Giannis however it has been reported that he has no structural knee damage however he will be out for who knows how long Trey Young is not playing tonight for the Hawks neither so the game is literally going to be John Collins or Lou Williams versus Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And I'm now going to ask you now, because this game is now back in Milwaukee, who's taking game five? Is it going to be the Bucks or the Hawks to you? Hmm. Not going to lie, I'm going to have to say Hawks. Wow. Wow, that's the first time on Keeping It 200 that Tavon is actually not going for Milwaukee in any kind of way. Um, uh, I, I have to agree. I've got to go Atlanta, too. Atlanta is the plus three-point spread. Here's how the point spread is just playing out on on betters. The Hawks were literally a plus six-and-a-half before Trey Young's injury. They went to a plus nine when Trey Young was out. So that meant that 95% of people said Milwaukee was going to win this game. And then they lost the game four. Now the Hawks are just a point spread underdog at plus three on the road. But the Haw- but the Bucks are only a favorite to win this game um, by four or more. Um, money lines are very close. Uh, Hawks are at minus 148. The Haw- um, no, the, the Hawks are plus 123. The Milwaukee Bucks are minus 148. So it is very difficult right now to really pick who is going to win in this. But, like, if you had to bet, you know, if you had to bet, I would say avoid the betting because you don't know how this game could play out. You know, and injuries have been just a big factor in the NBA right now, so you don't know. Uh, shout out to Kim Resch, though, 5 of 9, 12 points on, in 23 minutes. He, he really did have a, a really good game off the bench. Um, Danilo Gallinari was 3 of 8, 2 of 6, 10 points. If Gallinari can fix that 2 of 6 from 3, you know, and he's like maybe like 4 or 6 from 3, then the Hawks are definitely going to be able to have some – the Hawks definitely got a lot, you know, right now. Lou Williams, he's had a great game. Um, but Jonovich had a great game. You know, you look at Capella, you know, he had 15 points, 7 rebounds, which is a little off from, from a Capella standpoint. And John Collins was only 2 of 8 with 4 points. But if the Hawks can win this, you know, tonight again, man, I, I got to say, I don't think Milwaukee's going to make it out of the um, Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Hawks actually might be able to make the Eastern Conf- uh, make the NBA Finals now um, because this is going to really tell a lot tonight. It really is. Um, who wins? Because I think whoever wins this game tonight is definitely winning the series. Um, because if Atlanta wins tonight then and Trey Young's back for game six – I can't see Atlanta losing that game with the crowd being that rowdy and everything. I just can't. Um, so definitely. Um, how about this here, though? One game last night, of course, we talked about him, and we congratulated Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. But we didn't get into details of how the Phoenix Suns won. They won 130-103. 
we basically predicted the Clippers were going to get eliminated one game too early. Um, Phoenix shot 57% from the field, 17 of 31 from three. Clippers shot 42%, uh, under 42%, 41.8% if you want to be on the accurate mark. Uh, 12 of 39, 30% from three. Um, of course, Phoenix, I've said this here before, that if they just kept giving the ball to Aiton or just taking it into the paint, they're going to win this game. And they did 54 to 34 points in the paint. Um, Suns led by 28. Clippers only led by one point. Uh, two lead changes, three ties throughout the whole game. Of course, um, this game did get physical and it did get very insulting if you were a Phoenix Suns fan because Patrick Beverly pushed Chris Paul literally right in his back, blatant. Um, and what's even weird about Patrick Beverly is this was actually his best playoff series, technically. Technically speaking, because remember the Dallas series, he looked terrible. He couldn't guard Luka for shit, so that's why they bitched him. And then, of course, Tavon, you know, the Utah series, he came on the last two games, but before that, he really wasn't doing anything. He was just on the bench. And then finally, you know, this Phoenix series, he came back and he was really playing. He really held Chris Paul. And give credit to the Clippers. Paul George really did play the best playoffs that he's probably ever played, ever. In all honesty, uh, 21 points, 6 of 15 on the night. He was 1 of 6 from 3, but he had 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, Marcus Moore Sr. came through as a center. 9 of 17, 4 of 11 from 3, 26 points. Reggie Jackson, this was probably his worst playoff game as far as an elimination goes. 4 of 12, 2 of 7 from 3, 13 points. Patrick Beverly, he actually had his best shooting game technically, Patrick Beverly did. 4 of 7, 11 points. And, and give credit to them. Give credit to this team. They actually really did play. They really did play their heart out. They really did. The Clippers did. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just too little too late. You know, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard. Um, of course, they kept going down 2-0 so many times that you knew that they were going to get tired. They This was their 15th playoff game in 29 days, the Clippers. The Clippers were... Dog legs. They were dog tired. They couldn't do this no more. Um, Chris Paul, though, 16 of 24, 41.7 of 8 from 3. Chris Paul stepped up huge. Devin Booker, 10 of 26, 1 of 7 from 3. No good shooting right there, but 22.7 rebounds. Uh, You had Jay Crowder, um, 6 of 11, 19 points. DeAndre, 8 of 10, 16 points, 17 rebounds. And Mikael Bridges, 4 of 6, 9 points. Kevin Payne, 3 of 7, 7 points right off the bench. And then Dario Sarge with, you know, 7 points right off the bench on 2 of 2. And I've got to ask you this here, Tavon. If you're the Clippers, what's the first thing that you need to do now as a franchise now? Because now you're literally now in the break. So the season's over for the Clippers. But what do you think the Clippers need to do to improve this roster so that way next year this team is able to face the Lakers and make it past the Western Conference Finals and make the NBA Finals for the first time? Hmm. How can they approve? Well, see, the only thing is that 
when you think about it, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're pretty much the only two stars of that team. So probably like find another star. I I will say this here for the Clippers, what I think they definitely need to improve in, they definitely need to go out and get a center. They need to trade for one because Avitsa Zubox is not the guy. Um, he's just not. He, I mean, Marcus Moore Sr., I mean, he did come on the last two games, but I would move on from Marcus Moore Sr. too. Um, Terrence Mann, I would keep because he did come through and he can improve. Reggie Jackson, they definitely need to re-sign back. They definitely need to re-sign Reggie Jackson easily. Um, and trade Patrick Beverly. And I think the and the Clippers, they need to be able to get now the best medical staff they can to make sure Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy and keep them healthy. And if they can go out and get a third start by giving up the guys that I've said they need to, then, then be it all means, but I don't know who a third star could really be for this team. You know, I, Bradley Beal could be a guy that they could trade for. They could trade for Westbrook, but they don't really have any trade pieces. So it's going to be hard to convince a team to take anything. Um, however, you know, Steve Ballmer does have money. Steve Ballmer is rich, and I'm pretty sure Steve Ballmer is going to open up this checkbook now. He's going to really open up this checkbook to somebody. Reggie Jackson is definitely going to be the first guy I say that definitely is going to get paid. I, I definitely see Reggie Jackson making 20, 25 mil next year. No question right there on five-year deal because the Clippers definitely need to lock him up. He was the Clippers' best player at times in this playoffs, and he was the second best player at this time in the playoffs. He never was a third best player. He was literally the first or second. Um, give credit to, and, 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 you know, I give credit to Nicholas Batum. Batum actually held his own in this playoffs. You know, I mean, this was a guy that I literally had wrote off for the Clippers because he didn't do shit in Charlotte and he comes through and he's, he's, he had a good series, you know, he's had a good playoffs, you know, he, he, he stopped, you know, you know, he, he literally knew the Rudy Gobert, um, system, you know, I mean, that was a, a big reason that he played a lot of the center in the playoffs, um. But definitely, I definitely say they definitely got to get better um, right there for the Clippers, you know, because if they can get a third star, like you said, Tavon, I think that it definitely would be a big thing. But, yeah. you know, they got to get Reggie Jackson back under contract. And Marcus Moore Sr., I mean, I would let go because I just, I mean, he was so off in a lot of playoff games and then he was on the last two. But I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um but definitely, though, give credit to the Clippers. Congratulations to the Clippers. They they made the Western Conference Finals. They did better than the LA Lakers. You know, the Clippers, whether you want to, whether people want to admit it or not, Lakers fans, the Clippers since 2013 have have done better in the postseason than the Lakers. You know, the Clippers won a playoff series in LA. The Lakers have not won a playoff series in Los Angeles since 2010. That's now been 11 years, so, I mean, and LeBron actually had a chance to win a series in L.A., you know. Um, but give credit to the Clippers. They, they made it to the first time ever to the Western Conference Finals in their 50-year franchise. They, you know, they did it without Kawhi neither. Kawhi, they didn't even have the last, um, these last 
um, couple of games and everything, and they've done great. So great job, great job to the Clippers. You know, um, hopefully they they actually start playing. Um, hopefully the Clippers um, ownership now. Now this is where Steve Ballmer and Jerry West need to go out there and assemble a better team, so that way they can make the finals next year. Um, congratulations are in order to Ronda Rousey and her husband Travis Brown. They will be expecting a daughter. Um, so congratulations to them, and they did it in a pokey and a Pokemon inspired gender reveal video on her on Ronda Rousey's YouTube. <laughs> oh, so, wow. so, uh, no, I, I know, uh, great stuff right there. And hey, congratulations are in order to Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. They just got married Tuesday as well. Congratulations oh, to yeah. both of them. Congratulations to both of them. Seth Rollins announced it on his Instagram story saying um, where Becky Lynch was playing Frisbee outside. He said, what a beautiful day to finally get married. Congratulations to them. Um, and happy happy long life to both of them. Um, congratulations to them. I, I, I hope they make it a very long time as a couple. Um, and congratulations to Jungle Boy and Anil J for being a couple because, you know, they didn't, I'm surprised they didn't talk about it on Dynamite Wednesday. I was actually very yeah, surprised. Yeah, I think they're going to talk about it um, tomorrow because there's this um, – I, I, ba- I saw the banner on Dynamite. <laughs> it had Anna J on there. It was the AEW outside thing, outside the ring thing. They might talk about that. Yeah, they they might. I I was surprised Kenny Omega didn't do it because, like, I understand why Christian didn't do it when he was cutting the promo for Jungle Boy. But I thought, honestly, Kenny Omega was going to do it when all those Dark Order members were there. And I thought he was going to, like, cut and just throw in, like, a quick line saying, saying, oh, hey. I thought that there was one other Dark Order member. Oh, wait, I forgot you were kissing <laughs> Jungle Boy. You know, I was surprised Kenny Omega didn't oh, do that man, because of That was probably a missed opportunity. It really was. And I was like – because he had – because they had all the Dark Order out there except Anna J and Hangman, of course. But I was like, what? I was like, they're not even going to do anything about this? I'm like, man. I'm like, I can't believe they didn't say anything about it. But – and actually, that photo on Instagram for Jungle Boy has now gotten 50,000 likes. So, I mean, and, and I remember, and there was a funny thing on Twitter. Jake Atlas, an NXT, um, quoted the caption of Jungle Boy saying, hey, remember when they thought you were gay? <laughs> and, Jungle Boy, and Jungle Boy said, love you, man. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and it's actually true. People actually really did think he was in PWG. They never thought uh, Jake Atlas was, though. Everyone always thought that it was Jungle Boy because he had the long hair and everything, and he was um, Luke Perry's son. So it was definitely funny, you know, and and then there was some um, someone that um, said um, that he when he grabbed Anna J's butt in the picture, someone said <laughs> five star booty clutch. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, yep, I'm like, man. Oh, man, I mean, but congratulations to um, to all the new couples and congratulations to Ronda Rousey and her husband for having a child. You know, uh, of course, of course, this now means that Ronda Rousey probably won't be back in WWE till probably. 2023, in all honesty, because, you know, I I, I don't see Ronda Rousey now making a return anytime soon. And 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 that's fine. You know, you can't rush that, you know. But in 2023, when her child's won, then definitely I could definitely see her, you know, saying, you know what? My child's won. You know, I'm actually now able to get back into the gym and actually start training to get back in the ring. 
I'll definitely, you know, definitely do it. And I could definitely see that. But it's going but, to, but if anybody thinks Ronda Rousey is coming back to WWE right now, quit it. Quit that notion right now. She, she's pregnant. She can't do it. You know, she's, she's literally going to have to. No. Um, how about this here, though? In AEW, there is some major heat going on. Bully Ray, um, Tavon, I know that you know who Bully Ray is. He's the former oh, Bubba yeah. Ray Dudley. Um, mm-hmm. of course, of course he said on podcast this week, he told Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston needs to stay in his lane and quote, shut the fuck up because, <laughs> and I, and I'm actually shocked Billy Ray said this because no offense, Eddie Kingston works like Billy Ray. He's literally like another Billy Ray in, a, in his own way, except, you know, the difference between Eddie Kingston and Billy Ray is they're, they're two different guys. Of course, you know. Bully Ray, a Philadelphia guy. Eddie Kingston, a New York guy. They show it in, you know, Eddie Kingston, you know, shows off his New York in every way possible. Uh, Bully Ray, definitely a Philadelphia guy and everything like that. But I was very shocked because I thought that Bully Ray really loved or at least would be very happy that Eddie Kingston is doing everything right. You know, I I honestly didn't think Bully Ray was going to have a problem like this. You know, and, and usually Bully Ray actually doesn't even come out and, like, even bash AEW talent. He doesn't bash WWE talent. I mean, yes, there'll, there'll be times where he gets, like, you know, occasional snippets on Randy Orton for thigh slapping, but nothing out of the ordinary there. But Eddie Kingston, you know, just telling him to shut the F up. And, and of course, this is what Bully Ray said. He said, he said, if Eddie Kingston was waving the AEW flag, I wouldn't have been mad. He said, he said, okay, you're waving the AEW flag. Great. Good. You're now getting me hooked onto your show. You need to tell me why AEW is the show and it gave you the opportunity to be on TV after 16 years of being in the indie scene. And you should say why, why you love it and everything like that. Um, Tavon, I've got to ask you, what is your thoughts when Bully Ray said this? <laughs> oh man, I, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, yeah, I can't really, <laughs> I can't really buy into what, to what, um, Bubba Way Dudley just said because I mean, whether whether fans want to agree with this or not, but I, I just have to say it. What Eddie Kingston said, I mean, it was the truth. I mean, sure, it may be. The same old shit where AEW talks about WWE, in which WWE has always, who was the company we all used to love. They're not, they're now pretty much the bad guys now. They don't listen to the fans and all that. And I mean, I mean, it, it's, there's proof of that. I mean, WWE, I mean, despite. SmackDown and NXT and NXT UK being good, I mean, they still don't listen to their fans. War is still technically terrible, even though it's kind of okay-ish now, but the thing is, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that it's still kind of bad. But, yeah, but what Eddie Kingston said, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much the truth, and, and people can't and look, WWE fans and people in general, they can say all they want about how <laughs> about how WWE lives went free in AEW <laughs> all they want. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that and, and, and they may not they may not 
take um they may not take um AEW series. They may not think that AEW is not the bigger company yet. But again, it doesn't change the fact that yeah, um, AEW. I if WWE if they if they keep up if they if they pretty much keep up being um what they usually are, which is usually not listed of fans. I mean. It may AEW. It may not happen this year, or the next year, or the next year, or the next year, or the next year after that. <laughs> <laughs> they'll AEW. They'll they'll be on the come up for sure. Definitely, and and it's not like, and and here's what I don't understand. Bully Ray is actually the type of guy to shit on Raw. That's what's funny. He shits on three hour Raws because he says he says, oh, I can't get through them and all this, you know, and. And, 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 you know, and of course, you know, it's not like Eddie Kingston said very bad things about WWE. He just said you would never see Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy on the other show for a world title. And it's true. You really wouldn't. I mean, I mean, think about this here. And even if they did have the match on the other show, look at poor CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. I mean, they had their feud back in 2012. It was, you know, they had the match at um, Over the Limit in Raleigh, North Carolina. That was in the PNC Arena. Of course, I remember that. And they had a really great wrestling match. And then what did they do the next month as punishment? They had to make it where it was about AJ Lee, you know, being crazy (laughs) and, you know, wanting to kiss CM Punk, wanting to kiss Daniel Bryan, slapping both of them. And then as more of a punishment, then they threw poor Kane in there. And that really watered down that feud. So, so it's not like, so it's not like if they had a great wrestling match, they would have gotten punched anyway. You know they would have because they're not going to let you get over by that. That's that's not going to happen. And and I and you know I'm not mad at Eddie Kingston for that. You know when I saw the promo that he did, it was first off it was even after the TV show had ended, so it's not even like it counts like that. It's just something to send the go home crowd happy with and and i was just like i said you know i said i said you know he did something nice you know you know and he was telling the truth he was never he was never lying once you know because i don't believe wwe would give you a jungle boy kenny omega match and if they did it'd be a five minute match on 205 live if anything. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um and of course eddie kingston spoke to WrestleZone about this about the speech she gave at the end of saturday's dynamite he said let's all calm down he said he is quoting as saying you think I'm going to bury the locker room that I work for? No. Plus, I love our locker room. I love AEW. What do you want from me? They're paying me. They're putting me on national television after it be 20 years in October. Of course, I'm going to raw rotten um, AEW. Relax, relax. I expect people from the other joint, if they're allowed to mention our names, they'll probably do the same thing because you know what I mean. They want their home team to win. It's just like the NFL or the Major League Baseball, man. You want to go with your home team. AEW, my team, that's my squad. And, and and that's a great bow to put on it. And that is actually true. You know, he is getting paid. Mm-hmm. He is going to have to rah-rah about AEW. He better rah-rah about AEW. He won't have a job, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he better rah-rah about, that, about his show. He really better. I mean, I mean, because you're getting paid good money from them, you know. Um, and 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 I, and I agree. And, and I agree. You know, with everything Eddie Kingston said, I think that Bully Ray's just 
you know, I think really Bully Ray, you know, did that to trend. And, of course, it did trend. And there's people that are agreeing with Bully Ray. And, and there'll be people that agree more outside um, – they'll agree with Eddie Kingston. And, you know, it, but I will say this here, though. If people think, oh, why can't all of us wrestling fans just get along? <laughs> That's never going to happen. Come on now. Come on Sadly. now. There's, there's, there's people in New Japan that don't even get the love that they're getting right now. and Poor Ring of Honor, and what about Impact? You know, I only see one guy on Twitter, one guy tweet out gifts of the entire Impact show. I see one guy do that, and I don't see <laughs> no one else do that. So, so please stop lying. You know, like like on, if goodness. you try to get along with everyone, yeah, good luck trying to be befriend those Naomi stands. <laughs> exactly, and then what? And then what's even worse is you know think about all the Charlotte Flair stands. Think about the people that make those Sasha Banks, Roman Reigns couple ones. <laughs> you know, th- those are the crazy ones. You know, we need to stay away from them. We- you know, I-, I don't understand why we have to get along with they- those kind of people. Remember the people that used to make the Am Reigns stands, the Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, where they look like they would be kissing each other and shit <laughs> like that? Man, I remember that shit on Instagram. No, I- I'm not being friends with them. They're weird. No. No, keep them weirdos away from me. They they, they were even calling themselves Am Reigns. In fact, Xavier Woods even mentioned them on Raw one time, you know, like, <laughs> I remember he actually did. You remember he actually did that. Um, Cyber Agent, which is the parent company of DDT, NOAA, and to- uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, has began administrating the COVID-19 vaccine to wrestlers and employees of each company. So congratulations to them. So that means that pretty soon in the next year or so, Everybody in Japan for wrestlers and employees will actually now have the COVID-19 vaccine because, because of course, if Cyber Agent's doing this, then we all know that New Japan and Stardom are right up next for that. Um, so good stuff right there. Very good stuff about that. Hopefully everyone, you know, if they choose to get vaccinated, hopefully they do. And hopefully all the wrestlers, you know, do everything they have to do. Um, on the latest oral sessions with Renee Packett, the former Iconics, Cassie Lee and um, Jesse McKay. Of course, that's Peyton Royce and Billy Kay of the Iconics. Noted, they're both unable to currently work due to the ongoing green card issues. Um, they said, quote, the difficult thing for us is we still don't have our green cards, so we're not allowed to work until we get those or until we find sponsorship anywhere else. Uh, Cassie Lee said, we're so excited we have all this freedom and so many ideas, but pump the brakes. Because we can't do any of it. Um, Tavon, what's your thoughts on that? Wait, what did they say? Uh, the Iconics said they can't work yet because of the ongoing green card issues. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't mm. know when that's actually going to end in America because... That's weird. Aren't they I'm in a- Florida? They are, but remember, Cassie Lee is married to Sean Spears, and Jesse ah. McKay is, and Jesse McKay is not married at all. Not that Wait, I thought she was married. Jesse McKay, no. Cassie Lee is to Sean Spears. Oh, uh, I could have swore because I saw um, Friendoville's podcast with his friend, and he said something about her being married. It's that. It's that um, Jesse. Um, Jessica yeah, he, has has a private. Yeah, she makes that stuff private. Well, maybe she does, but but I will say this here though. You know, um, 
if they're not able to work due to the green card issues, I don't know when that could end because I don't see that ending till about probably the beginning of 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, dang. If, if I'm not mistaken, because right now I don't know about that. Because remember, um, there, there, because there are a lot of wrestlers that come to America and stuff, and they don't have these um, right now because of the green card issues and everything. Um, but of course, uh, I, hopefully, and, and hopefully, Justin McKay and Peyton and um, Cassie Lee both are able to get their green card issues fixed because 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 I know they definitely want to go to work and. You know, they definitely, you know, got a lot of sponsorships, you know, to find, you know, but, you know, and, and unless they find a sponsorship anywhere else, and maybe they might be able to, but I don't know. Um, but definitely, though, um, how about this here, though? Up next in news, uh, Tommaso Ciampa did media rounds. He spoke to Sports Skeeter. He also talked to PW Insider's Mike Johnson. Of course, Tommaso Ciampa, um, in the sports skeeter, he regarded interest in wrestling Walter again. Now, in the PW Insider one, this is what he said when he was asked if he still plans to go to the main roster. Um, Ciampa said he, he said he would rather see where his career takes him. Ciampa said, quote, it's tough one for me to answer because I don't know that. That's not how I work. As far as goals go, he said, when I was a kid, it was different. When I was a kid, I want, I wanted like, oh, I want to be on WrestleMania and stuff. When I was a kid, I wanted like, oh, I'm, I, um, because I was 20, 21, and released. And then I did a bunch of independents and toured around the world and just found myself and grew as a performer. It's just all these different experiences I've had. It just becomes more about the journey than anything, and it becomes... Um, more than about just becoming better, a better performer. So then Johnny and I came to NXT, and our first thing was doing the Dusty Classic in 2016 or something. Even then, I mean, it was just for me, it was like, oh, cool, here's an opportunity to get in the ring with new different people, fresh people, get snowballing. But the Raw brand is fantastic, great roster, lots of talented men and women. Same thing with SmackDown. Same thing with NXT. I love to get in there with everybody. It's just about it's just more about me doing things that I don't know help and stuff. There's no door that's closed, but at the same time, there's no weird carrot that's dangling in front of me where I'm like, oh, that's what I got to do now. It's just going with the flow of it and making the most of every opportunity that's present to me, essentially. So what is your thoughts, Tavon, when you hear that? It's an interesting take. He's basically um, not ruling out um, going to the main roster, which is pretty much good because in the past he did say that he didn't want to go, but at this point he's he's pretty much like, you know what? Maybe it would be good if maybe it would be a little bit good at least if I go to the main roster, which again I I pretty much say it's. It's it's not necessarily a bad idea to go to the main roster. I mean, it would be awesome to see um, Tommaso on SmackDown just like he was two years ago. And it would be awesome to see him on Raw just like two years ago. I agree. Um, I don't think there's no issue with Champa going to the main roster. I mean... 
I mean, I, I think that he would still be able to get over. I really do because Vince, I think, would like Champa. I, I just don't know if Vince would like, you know, Champa's great beard and everything like that because, I mean, but you, you don't know exactly um, how Vince likes, you know, I, because cause I do remember two years ago, whenever he did go up there, the plan was to keep Champa on the main roster, but send Johnny Gargano back down because Vince did not want Gargano. He wanted Champa, and and that's fine, you know. Um, he wanted Champa, and then you know he then decided, you know, and then Champa decided he just wanted to stay in NXT. But also, what also kept Champa to stay in NXT as well was because of the neck injury that he suffered, and he would have to miss a year. So, so there is this worrisome that if he were to go up there, Tavon, how would Vince and Bruce and everyone up there see Champa because he's over forty. He's already he's already got injuries, and I don't know. I don't see them pushing him as a, a, a top guy. I don't know if they would even want to push him as a mid card act because you know. But you know, I think he is fine where he's at in NXT. He doesn't have to leave NXT right now. Um, and if he were to leave NXT, uh, you know, I understand, you know, but, but I wouldn't push for him to go to NXT. I, I wouldn't push for him to go to the main roster right now. Um, he's fine where he's at, and he's developing other talent, and that's all that matters. Um, and, and he does everything right. Um, yeah. Of course, John Morrison spoke to TV Insider on his recent return to WWE. When asked about his current direction, he replied, In wrestling, things never really go the way you expect. I was really excited to come back and work with Miz. In the WWE Chronicle documentary that talks about my return, Dolph Ziggler is walking towards me while cameras are following. All I did for my debut was open the door to say, I'm sorry, Miz doesn't feel like talking right now. Ziggler gave me a high five after and says, Sweet debut, bro. Did that, <laughs> uh, did that go how I expected? No, everybody thinks of ideas on the buy on the basis they see themselves as main event guys i certainly do but since i go the way i liked definitely yes um you know what this comment says to me i ain't expecting to be a main better <laughs> that's what he's saying he's saying man i don't expect to be a beta better that's what that's what he that's what he's honestly saying he's like he's like if you're expecting me to be a beta better um no <laughs> what, what did you think Tavon? Um, yeah, I, yeah, when John Morrison, um, came to the main roster in, um, early 2020, yeah, he wasn't, most would, most people probably wanted him to be a top guy, but it was clearly obvious that he wasn't going to be the top guy yet. I mean, of course he was going to reunite with Miz and win the, um, SmackDown tag team titles but yeah other than that I mean John Morrison I'm yeah he, he, ain't, he ain't necessarily a top well even though he was a top guy in other companies he's not the top guy yet will he be the top guy in the future probably but I but not now I mean he's more so uh, he's more so mid Carter until they pretty much have plans for him. Well, yeah, because without Miz, I don't know where the hell John Morrison's at on this roster because he's 38 years old. Um, you know, it's and what's even weird about this whole thing is Bruce Pritchard, 
who, who writes for Monday Night Raw, has been an impact in everything where John Morrison was at. And he knows how great John Morrison can be. And they just put Morrison back to where he was at and where he left. And it's just like, it's just, I mean, I, I mean, here's the thing here. He's making a million dollars a year. I know that. You know, he's making great money. That's why he's probably not complaining as much because he's 38. He probably does have some injuries on him. And he's probably like, you know what? Let me just make as much money as I can. And then in three, four years, after I've got my money saved up the way I like, you know, then I can, you know, just work part-time with AEW or just work part-time or just retire, you know? And, and, and that's what Morrison, you know, you know, when I look at that, you know, again, when I see Morrison, you know, there was years ago where he was in Impact and he was saying, man, I would love to work with Roman Reigns and these guys. And Morrison hasn't really done any of that. You know, he never has. You know, he, you know, he talked about he wanted to work with Reigns and these guys and, you know, since then, he's just not done any of that. And, you know, I, I felt like the day I knew he was dead on the main roster was not that he was paired up with Miz. Because because whenever you're paired up with Miz, people, you're going to get the TV time. You're always going to get TV time because Miz is such a great talker, and Miz is everything that Vince loves in a TV talker. However, when he got eliminated in like seven seconds in the Royal Rumble by Brock Lesnar that year in 2020, I said, man, this dude's dead. I said, this mm. dude is dead. And then Sean Ross Sapp had to be a smartass on Twitter to me and say, did you really expect John Morrison to get a push? I'm like, jeez, man. I'm like, at least give hope to the guy. Like, don't just knock the cart before the horse, man. Because I'm like, man, no wonder he was never going to get over with fans. Like, jeez, ain't this buried this poor guy? I'm like, but it's just like, it's just like, man, look here. You know, he was going to. You know, to me, I didn't think that John Morrison was dead when he got paired up with Miz because 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 one thing about WWE, they love nostalgia. They love that. You know, if Matt Hardy came back tomorrow to WWE, you know they would pair him with Jeff Hardy just to kill Cedric Alexander. You know, it popped a TV rating for two weeks, and then what? And then what they would do next is they just bury poor Matt and Jeff. You know they would. So, um, Samoa Joe talked to Sports Illustrated about his release um, with Justin Barrasso. A younger me would have handled this much, much differently, said Joe. I know when I got the call, it's hard to explain, but I really was non-pulsed about it, the whole thing. Johnny Ace called me. He gave me uh, he gave me the speech, um, the token speech. It's hard for Johnny because he and my he has a lot of calls to make. At the same time, though, we were already there was already discussions between myself and Hunter from a while ago. This is something Hunter had want, had wanted. So essentially, when I got it released, I never understood their logic and reasoning. For me, I don't. I didn't miss a beat. I was ready to take on whatever came next, and that's what I was ready to do. Um, and and that, and that is true. You know, I mean, Samoa Joe. You know, I mean, he really didn't. Um, you know, he didn't expect to get released, and no one did. But at the same time, though, you know, now he's back with NXT and under a different contract, of course. Um, and that's all that matters right now. Uh, WWE Raw draws a near low viewership, Tavon. Uh, this was reported by Brandon Thrustin of WrestleNomics, which you can follow me on Twitter. Less, uh, Monday's Raw averaged 1.57 million viewers on the USA Network. That's down 8% from last week. Um, that's the second lowest viewership Raw has drawn this year, and it's the third lowest in the show's history. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Monday's NBA Western Conference Finals on ESPN drew 5.7 million viewers and aired opposite of Raw most of the show. Um, Raw drew a 0.41 in 18 to 49 demo. That's down 16.3% from last week. The actual viewers in that category were 535,000. So, Tavon, that's down 15.1% from last week. I mean, they were yeah. at 630,000. So, uh, of course, the lowest all-time Raw is, of course, December 14th, um, which, of course, made sense because that show was taped. <laughs> um <laughs> got to ask you, though, Tavon, when you see this Raw rating on Monday, you, I, I, I already know poor Ricochet and John Morrison ain't getting no victories now on the way to Money in the Bank. If, if ratings – because cause you know they're going to blame someone for this, and they're not blaming yeah. the main eventers. They're not going to blame Drew McIntyre, AJ, or Riddle. They're going to blame Ricochet and John Morrison because what were Ricochet and John Morrison doing in the second hour playing with water guns? So <laughs> you know they're going to blame – those guys, you know, they're not blaming no beta bidders. Um, I gotta ask you though, uh, what's your thoughts when you hear this raw rating though? Um, when I think about it, I mean, it shouldn't really come to a shock. I mean, I mean, knowing the show wasn't necessarily all that great. I mean, it wasn't a terrible show, but it wasn't great either. I mean. I thought it was somewhat decent to say the least, and that's and that's pretty much me being generous because most people don't really can't really take Ricochet and John Morrison that seriously with them <laughs> with drip sticks and all. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but like it's just I mean I think the thing is, is that the problem is is that Wall keeps they just keep. We hashing we matches and like that's not how you that's not how you build storylines. That's not how you that's not how you um make entertaining matches. And while those and while those and look, I get it. Every pretty much every, almost every match on Raw, SmackDown, XD, pay per view, whatever. I mean, obviously we know it's a good match because. Let's let's pretty much face it. I mean, today's era of wrestling. I mean, there's always good matches. We already we already know that it's going to be a good match match regardless. But like the thing is, it's like when when you um keep throwing matches and matches and matches. I mean, all you're doing is just pretty much not um yeah. All you're doing is basically having the storyline focus more so on the match itself rather than an actual story that could be made for the match. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think of this rating, I just think the worst is yet to come because it's going to get worse. You you know, you and I both know, Tavon, the yeah. NFL's getting ready to come back in less than 10 weeks from now. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're, if this is what it's like in the NBA. Imagine what it's going to be like when we get to our. Imagine what it's going to be like when we get to the NFL because Monday Night Football will kill them. It, it, it's it's going it's going to hurt them more than anything. Um, hopefully, hopefully though, the ratings will go back up to the two millions and such, 
where they were before, you know, before the fans and everything like that. Hopefully the ratings stay at like the two, you know, they go back up to the 2.5 mil area when we got fans back. And hopefully it does because, because we know that July 12th show is going to be taped. So I don't even know what that July 12th show is going to do um, on Raw, man. I mean, because last time Raw was taped, you know, was back in December, and they didn't do a good number. But on SmackDown, they did a great number, but that was because they had an NFL lead-in game. Um, definitely. Um, Saturday night's AEW Dynamite tape on. Good news, though, from there. 17.8% they were up from that Friday show. Um, hmm. It's 649,000 viewers. Um, so So the... So Saturdays are better than the Friday shows because Saturday they had 649,000. On their Friday shows, they only had one show over 600,000. That was with 821,000 viewers. So they actually did better on Saturday technically than they ever did on Friday. So Sorry, I had to mute my thing. I've been sneezing for some reason. And I do not know why. I honestly do not know uh, why. So, so you're fine, so, um, so, 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 That can be so, relatable. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. So, so if I mute it for like a second, I'm just literally like, like you know, it, I don't understand where this is coming from. I've been sneezing weird the past 24 hours, but I don't have no stuffy nose, and I've only had to blow my nose two times, and I'm like. What the hell is going on? So I know it's not dust in here because I've literally cleaned every week. I, I just got – I haven't been in this apartment a month, and I, I know it's not just because of some pollen or dust. It might be because of the pollen outside. It actually might be, um, but I don't know. Um, how about this year, though? Of course, Dynamite 18 to 49 was up 5% from last week. That was at a 0.21. So congratulations to AEW Dynamite. Um, year over year, technically, they were actually up 2.5% and 4.6% in 1849, which is crazy um, to think about. Because last year, you know, they were on Wednesdays and they were competing with NXT. Um, some more news now to get into about uh, WWE stuff. Of course, uh, Triple H offered to help John Moxley following his 2019 post-WWE injury. Um, Renee Packett spoke again about this on her oral sessions with um, Billy Kay and um, Peyton Royce of the former Iconics. Of course, uh, of course, they also talked about their um, Cassie Lee talked about her husband. She said she was very thankful that WWE allowed Sean Spears to be backstage and to you know be backstage at the WrestleMania because of course Cassie Lee hmm. was in uh, the WrestleMania um, this year. Um, but there was also times where Packett said that. Triple H would pull her aside at times and say, hey, is Moxley okay? Does he need any help? You know, he was always checking in on Moxley. And Renee Packett said that it was very nice um, that they were extending the olive branch. Of course, we all know when Moxley left WWE in 2019, he literally got um, Mercer in his elbow that required him to um, pull out of the first all-out meeting with Kenny Omega, um, which feels like five years ago technically, doesn't it? Tavon? Hmm? I said, I, said, I said the John Moxley injury for his elbow, that felt like it was like five years ago, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like, I didn't even know he had the elbow injury until she talked about it. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, he did have to pull out against Kenny Omega and stuff. And 
Um, of course, uh, Sanjay Dutt, who was a former WWE producer less than two weeks ago, is now going to be coming. He's now going to become an AEW producer. So, congratulations to Sanjay Dutt. If you don't know who Sanjay Dutt is, um, he was with Impact Wrestling for the longest time. Of course, he um, started the company in 2003, and it wasn't until 2017 where he left the company. Of course, he's had feuds with Cameron Grimes, um, Low Key, who was Cabal in WWE. And um, in 2019, of course, he became a WWE producer, you know. And, you know, I mean, congratulations to Sanjay Dutt. Congratulations to him. I actually really like Sanjay Dutt matches. He's actually really awesome. Um, and I know he's going to be a great benefit to AEW. He really actually is going to be a very great benefit to AEW. Uh, WWE confirms a September return to the Madison Square Garden. Um, it will be for the Friday, September 10th episode of Friday Night SmackDown. So SmackDown Live will be a show that they do. So they will actually have a Friday Night SmackDown show, September 10th in Madison Square Garden, which should actually do a really good rating. If we're being honest, it really should technically do a great rating. Um, of course, today, um, of course, yesterday, Tavon, we had the 50 WWE greatest tag teams. Did you see this list? Um, no, I didn't because I figured, I mean, it is, um, the WWE network, um, it's a WWE network, um, show, wait, content video to watch so it's like i can watch that later honestly yeah i i i will say though this year i'm gonna i'm actually gonna name out the 50 wwe teams that they actually have because because a lot of these were actually really shocking that they actually named these 50 wwe tag teams i'm actually really surprised they did okay so number 50 was the bushwhackers um, you and I are both not around, but I've seen Bushwhacker matches. They're not good at all. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I just saw um, WrestleMania um, 17 on <laughs> Tuesday, and I saw them at the Gimmick Battle Royal. That was fun. oh my god! Oh my god! That was so terrible. Uh, yeah, because didn't Kamala win that? No, it was the Iron Sheik. Okay, but wasn't Kamala in there though? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember Bruce Pritchard talked about this. He said that Kamala was supposed to win that battle royal. Oh, wow. But Kamala, because – and here's the only reason why he was going to win the damn thing. He had health issues and couldn't get thrown out the ring. But they <laughs> managed to, like, get him out the ring. So, wow. so I was actually – so I was actually like uh, – so, so that's why I actually had to wonder. Because it was, like, wow, was, like, that's like, insane. Exactly, because I remember I saw that WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal. And, I, and, and like, it's weird because when Kamala got eliminated – Kamala was like shocked because he wasn't supposed to get eliminated. Um, but it, but, but I was actually because because but when you think about that though, no one ever talks about the the battle royal though at WrestleMania 17. In fact, in fact, before WrestleMania 29, you never even heard anything about like a pre match, did you? Mm, no, because I mean, back then, I mean, there were there were matches before WrestleMania on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, but there was also a pre-show match, but you had to buy the DVD to see it. Like, you know, at WrestleMania 28, yeah. I think, that, yeah, because at WrestleMania 28, there was like a fatal four-way pre-show tag match. Remember at WrestleMania 23, Chavo Guerrero lost his, um, 
He lost the ECW championship to Kane in like under like 60 seconds, but you had to buy the <laughs> DVD. And even when you bought the DVD, they didn't even show you the match. They just showed you highlights of the match. I'm like, really? Yeah, that's fucked uh, up. It is. But they like, you might know. as well just, you might as well just add the, um, all those pre-show matches to like the Hidden Gems collection. Exactly. You might as well because, because technically speaking, and the only reason I say before 29, because at 29, the Miz beat Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental Championship, and that's kind of where kickoff matches kind of were born right then and there. Um, and, and there were others on other pay-per-views of the Over the Limits and stuff like that. But, 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 like for example, though, like you could put those like matches on the Hidden Gems. Like no one's never probably seen a Chavo Guerrero Kane match at WrestleMania that lasted a minute and stuff. I mean, and, yeah. and don't forget WrestleMania 27. Daniel Bryan, Sheamus was for the United States Championship, and Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan on the kickoff show, and, and and that match didn't even air. You had to buy the DVD, and it's just like, like there's a lot of matches they aired before the pay per view. Like I remember at Cyber Sunday 2008, R Truth took on um, Shelton Benjamin for the United States Championship. Yeah. He did, yeah, and it was just like, um, of course, R Truth lost in five minutes, but but I saw that match on the DVD, and I'm like, wow. I said, I said they didn't even. I said I had to buy this DVD just to find this out, so it was weird. <laughs> it, it, it really is because, because like, but of course, you know that was the whole mantra of buying WWE DVDs. You get this one extra match, and then you would get like one TV match or one segment on the show that aired that week, and you know, and that was it. And now, you know, of course, DVDs kind of don't even matter anymore because no one even buys them anymore, hardly. I know some people that still buy DVDs, but. Very, very little people, and trust me, I tell you, there are over sixty anyway. So, um, of course, WWE's fifty greatest tag teams. Bushwhackers were fifty. Forty nine was too cool. That's Rikishi, Scotty, Tuhati, and Brian Christopher. That's really low to too cool. Yeah, they, I, they I would have probably put them in like top thirty, maybe maybe even top twenty. Exactly, man. No, because too cool was cool as hell to play in the video games. <laughs> and they were cool as hell on TV. No, man, that's way too low. 48 was the Quebecers. The Quebecers, um, if I'm not mistaken, if I know my wrestling history, that's Rick the Model Mar- Montel and the guy that did the Dark Side of the Ring on last year. Who was it? Because um, he was in the Canadian mob. Oh, my goodness. Oh my Dino Guapo? There you go. Yep, yep. Those were the ah. Quebecers. So so if if I'm, if I'm yeah I just 90, yeah I just saw that episode like last month. Yeah, yeah, really good episode. You know, you know, and fun fact, you know, people didn't even really like that episode. I'm like, how do you not like the episode? It was a good episode, you know. Uh, yeah, but it I was guess compelling. People... It kind of gave you more insight to the whole thing, even though the mystery hasn't been more so solved. But I mean, still a, a very compelling episode. Very, very compelling, and and it and it showed, and the police in Montreal even showed you three different ways of how his death could have happened. So um, I don't understand why people didn't like that episode. You know, a lot of people, and the reason people did not like that episode was because quote they said we already knew all this before. I'm like, but still though, you didn't know how it could have played out. I'm like, they told they told you a great story in 45 minutes. I, I don't under I don't care what anyone says. It was a great story. 47 was the smoking gun, says Billy Gunn and Bark Gunn. Of course, we all know Billy Gunn would become more famous, but Bark Gunn would win the all um, the fall for all um, brawl, which of course he got punished for because the winner was supposed to be um, 
who the hell was the winner supposed to be? It was supposed to be Jim Ross's friend Steve Williams. There you go, Doctor Devil Steve Williams. <laughs> so, and and I remember, I, I remember seeing that Dark Side of the Ring episode. You know, Jim Cornette went and told Vince Russo when Steve Williams got knocked out by Bart Gunn. He literally pulled Vince Russo to the side and yelled at him and said, "You just cost this company five million dollars, you son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, you cost that company how much money for Steve Williams? I'm like, and then when Steve Williams went to WCW, he wasn't even worth five million dollars. I'm like, what the hell? I, was, I remember watching WCW, and poor Steve Williams didn't even look like ten dollars. I'm like, man, I'm like, man, Vince Russo didn't actually kill um, Steve Williams. He actually saved Steve Williams. I was like, like you were gonna put Steve Williams over, and they were actually gonna put Steve Williams over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Could you imagine a world in that way? Mm, not necessarily. No, man, dude, dude. If I saw that man, I would have been creeped out. Of course, <laughs> um, of course, Steve Williams. Of course, you know. In nowadays, he would not be known as a great wrestler because he was actually very bad wrestler. He actually mm. was. He used to actually give suplexes and nearly break people's necks. Mm. He was not a safe worker to work with. So, and and Steve Williams, when he got out of the wrestling business. Literally, he got a job at Southwest Airlines as a travel agent, and he hated wrestling ever since after that. He hated wrestling. In fact, this is what Steve Williams said. He said, I've never been at a job where they give you health benefits and dental. So he was never going to leave Southwest Airlines if he didn't die of cancer. Mm. So, And he was actually a very great employee. He actually won Employee of the Month uh, 28 times there. So congratulations mm-hmm. to Steve Williams. So, so he was actually a great travel agent. He was just a shitty wrestler <laughs> that was actually a bad worker. Uh, but he was a great travel agent. So I mean, I mean, I guess I guess that's kind of like a good thing in a way. You know, like it all played out good for Steve Williams. But at the same time, though, he did not want to be a wrestler ever again. Um, yeah. Of course, forty six was Strike Force. Um, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Forty five was the Head Shrinkers. I remember them. They they weren't even that popular. Um, Forty four was Kane and X Pac. I think that's a little low. Um, Forty three was Batista and Ric Flair. Tell you the truth, Tavon. I, I mean, Batista and Ric Flair really weren't that big of a tag team. Now I'm like, I, I would put them at forty eight. Well, well, no, yeah, no. Here's why I say. Yeah. Well, here's the reason why I say Batista and Ric Flair are not because it was evolution. So yeah. evolution should technically be on this list, then, if that's the case. If you're just yeah. going to put Batista – and Randy Orton and Batista even did tag team matches. So that's actually kind of – no, I would have put I would put evolution – if you're going to just do Batista and Ric Flair, you should just put the whole evolution on there because that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. 42 was M-N-N-M. That's Joey Mercury and John Morrison mm-hmm. with Molina. So um, I think that's a little love for them too. I like, yeah. I like, it. I like them. Nasty Boys were 41. 40 was rated RKO. Now, that's just low. Come on now. Randy Orton and Edge? You're going to put <laughs> yeah. them at 40? Come on. No. They're literally two of the best. Of course. And, and had a great feud that summer with DX. What? Ugh. What? Who is making this list? This list is terrible already. 39, <laughs> Paul London and Brian Kendrick. i got to say this here, Tavon, and I know I'm going to get heat from somebody on – um, the keeping it 200 mailbag, which which we actually <laughs> do have some questions on the 200 mailbag today. But here's the thing: Paul London and Brian Kendrick 
were not a great tag team to me. Because in 2006, no one was watching wrestling because everybody was injured and shit. And secondly, it wasn't like WWE went out their way to push you to like really watch this tag team. I mean, they had a long tag team title run. I know that. Over 300 days. Um, but the only match I can really remember Paul London and Brian Kendrick was when they fought Eminem and then they fought Deuce and Domino. Mm. And then that crazy four-way where Joey Mercury's face got broken in half almost. Dang. But I can't remember anything about Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Like, I understand their matches might have been great, but, like, no, man. I I think this, I think they should have been at, like, 49, if I'm being honest. I'm, I'm going to get some heat, but fuck it. <laughs> 38, this makes zero sense. Tommaso Champion and Johnny Gargano, DIY, is ranked 38. They should be waked way higher. Yeah, way higher. <laughs> uh, 37 is the world's greatest tag team. That's Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. What? This they're they're just they're just shitting on on the two thousands. And and what's even worse is Money Inc. is thirty six. Thirty five is Chris Jericho Big Show. Thirty four the Natural Disasters. How is the Natural Disasters better than DIY? How are they even? <laughs> Street Profits are thirty three. Street Profits haven't even been in the company ten years. What? No, no. Street Profits <laughs> should be ranked lower. Jack and Gerald Briscoe. No. 31's the Bludgeon Brothers. I can agree with that. I can agree with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan at 31. I yeah. can agree with that. Um, British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Uh, John Morrison Miz. Now, come on. Now, John Morrison the Miz is not better than DIY and Jericho and Big Show. That's that's just stupid right there. Uh, <laughs> 28, The Bar. Okay, I get Sheamus and Cesaro right there. I get that. Team Hell we don't 20- just set the bar. We are the bar. Man, I miss that, man. <laughs> Uh, 27's Team Hell No. They could have been ranked higher. Yeah. Nikila Volkoff and the Iron Shink are ranked higher than Team Hell No. The Bar, John Morrison, Miz. Jericho Big Show, World's Greatest Tag Team in DIY. How did the hell that happen? Um, mm. Los Guerreros, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero. Okay, at 25. I can agree with that. Um, hold on, let me get the second half of that list. Let me get the second. Okay. And it says 25. Four, uh, 24 was the APA. You could have ranked them higher because the yeah. APA actually – the APA actually were actually a really good tag team. I, I and know, they were I know, funny and entertaining. And, and I know people will say, well, they were dirty workers and shit, but they just hit hard. So they actually did, they actually could work. Uh, 23 was the Blackjacks. I don't even know who they are. 22 is the Shield. Um, I'm surprised they're not in the top 10. DX is 21. I'm surprised they're not in the top 10. The Undisputed Era's 20. Why are they not in the top 10? Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas are ranked higher than the Undisputed Era, The Shield, rated RKO DIY at, like, 19? No. <laughs> um, Tatanka and Mr. Fuji at seven at 18? The Steiner Brothers at 17? The Rock and Sock Connection are 16. Okay. The Wild Samoans are 15. The Rockers, that's Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. That's 14. The Mega Powers are ranked 13. No, they should not be ranked 13. The Valiant Brothers are 12. 11's Devilition. Uh, 10 is the British Bulldogs. Now here we go, um, 9 and 1. Um, the Brothers of Destruction are ranked 9th. I don't know why the Brothers of Destruction aren't ranked a little higher. New Age Outlaws, 8. 7, the Usos. 6, the Legion of Doom. 
five, the Dudleys, four, Edge and Christian, three, the Hart Foundation, two, the Hardy Boys, one, belongs to the New Day. I don't agree with this list in any ways. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a iffy list. A very iffy list. I'm not, I'm not... I'm not saying the New Day aren't a top 50 tag team, but the New Day would not be in my top five for tag teams right now. They would probably be in the top ten, but they would not be in the top five. That's way, way too high, man. Come on now. Um, but definitely, though, no, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Um, yesterday's birthdays, Terry Funk turned 77, Cody Rhodes turned 36, Dex Hardwood turned 37, and Alicia Fox turned 35. Cool. So congratulations to so yeah, congratulations to all their birthdays and everything like that. Um, trying to see if there's any other news before we get into our two wrestling shows on the night. Um, I think that's pretty much it. We can start getting into some wrestling now into our hour and 20 minute mark of the show. Of course, we're going to start with WWE NXT. And I'm going to say, Tavon, I really like this show of NXT. I actually didn't have a problem with this show. There was mm-hmm. there were some things I had a problem. There were some things I had a little bit of problems with, but nothing out of the ordinary. Um, of course, the show opens up with Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defeating Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, um, Shashi Blackheart, and Ember Moon in a triple threat number one contenders tag team match. For the winner was going to face Candice and Indy at the um, Great American Bash um, next Tuesday. And this match, man, I loved out the gate. Three and two quarters. I recommend anybody go out and check out this match. This was really fun. The last six minutes were awesome. I loved every bit about this match. I mean, you had Blackheart with a Centon Bomb on Gonzalez. <clears throat> um, Zoe Stark with a modified GTS on Blackheart. Ember Moon hits an Eclipse on Stark. You got the go to kick from Dakota Kai to Ember Moon. Um, Kai countered a um, Io Shirai and nearly had a roll-up for a two-count. Even I thought she was going to win that. And then Kai went then by a palm strike, and Shirai then executed a perfect moonsault press. And Gonzalez was just not there to make the um, to break up the cover. Taylor, what did you think of this opening match? It was a good match. Um, yeah. It was a really good match. Um, did like it when um when um Eo and Zoe won. I mean, it was pretty obvious that they were supposed to. And yeah, um, can't wait to um see Eo and Zoe against um Candice and um Indy next yeah. week. Yeah, Johnny Gargano attacked the NXT champion carrying Cross, and there was a pull apart. Lots of screaming, and Cross was upset by that sneak attack and said, that's how we're going to play it, Johnny? Okay. Um, it's been three weeks now, Tavon. Why are we still having so many brawls? Because it's, I mean, no offense, Samoa Joe was supposed to be coming in and stopping the brawls. And I feel like we still have the same amount of brawls. The only difference is we don't have William Regal breaking them up. We have now Samoa Joe doing it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, kind of something. Yeah, it's kind of getting irritating though because, no offense, I'm like, shouldn't Samoa Joe be choking out these guys? I I know like 
unless he's provoked. But no offense. I mean, these are like so many fucking brawls. I mean, we're having brawls everywhere now. It's just like, come on, man. Um, they, we had a video package um, looking back at the breakout tournament of 2019 for NXT. Of course, Tavon, we all know who won that. His name was Jordan Miles. He is the former – he is, well, now currently the uh. ACH of somewhere. I don't know where he's at. Um, of course, Jordan Miles was supposed to win this and then win the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. However, because of a T-shirt that was apparently not approved by him, even though he says that they approved it without his permission, and WWE said that we got permission from him, it was a shirt of – it was a black shirt with red lips that was smiling, and it had Jordan Miles' name in it because the gimmick is he smiles a lot. And then, of course, Jordan Miles, of course, then went on a tyrant saying that it was very racial, controversial, which a lot of people did agree. And then Jordan Miles said that immediately he was – he said that Jordan Miles was his slave name, and he's only by ACH, and he was released – and he did not go to AEW because AEW did not even want to pick him up. Um, so I mean, of course, of course, it is weird to look back because because when I looked at this thing here and they showed it, it, too, it was, you know, it showed Isaiah Swerve Scott. He looked he looked like he came in as like Lenny Kravitz. You had Cameron Grimes. He wasn't even the guy to the moon gimmick yet, you know, and. And, and and Bronson Reed, he looked different. Dexter Loomis looked different. Everybody, you know, it was just like, wow. It's just like these guys look really different. And two years later, you know, they all have a a gimmick that works except Loomis because, I mean, they they gave up on Loomis, didn't they? they we haven't seen Loomis in forever now. We have not seen Loomis in forever. Um, yeah. However, however, though, NXT North American champion Bronson Reed was backstage with Mackenzie Mitchell and asked him about the tournament. Reed said um, the tournament in 2019 uh, – he said that the tournament in 2019 um, made him the champion that he is today. So, of course, Isaiah Scott came up. He interrupted Reed, and Scott was flaked by hit row. Scott said, if you're the man that you think you are, you'll give me a championship match tonight. And Bronson Reed accepted the challenge. So then, of course, we had the NXT champion, Karrion Cross come out. It's like now they don't even want to give Karrion Cross his special entrance now, do they? Because on main event, he didn't get it. And here, he just walked out with his music just playing. Like, like here's the thing yeah. about Karrion Cross, though. Without that gimmick of his entrance, he's not, he's not a star. He's literally yeah. like Kevin Owens. He's <laughs> not. He, no, I, and I'm not trying to say that in a bad way. I'm just saying, look at where Kevin Owens is today. He's not pushed as a, a main guy. And Cross, I mean, dude, that entrance. I mean, like when they say WWE is about sports entertaining, they aren't joking. Some people have the sports entertaining. They really do. And carrying Cross is 80% gimmick, 20% wrestler. And and I've said this here before. If you have him work under seven minutes, you're good. But if you have him work over seven minutes, then he's he's not going to be look like a great wrestler to you. He's just not. You know the match with Shelton Benjamin I thought went too too long, and that was a seven minute match. And I was like, damn, like, this match really shouldn't have even went seven minutes. So, mm. um, but of course NXT champion Karrion Cross stormed the ring. He dared Johnny Gargano to face him. Gargano confronted Cross. 
setting up a grudge match. This was also a distraction by Gargano as Theory ran into attack um, Cross. Of course, Karrion Cross then easily fought off Theory, then easily fought off Gargano, then bashed Gargano into the um, into the barricade where they got the where they got the plexiglass and shit up. And someone recorded this, and that shit looked rough as hell, man. I'm like, damn, I'm like Gargano was like taking some headshots right there. Of course, then security pulled them apart, and they prod cross away from Gargano, and then Gargano got in one super kick, and of course, Karrion Cross got right back up and was just a little woozy, but Gargano ran away with Theory, and then Gargano and Theory got into their car, and Theory was saying, that's the best super kick I've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> like not really. I'm like, I've seen better Johnny Gargano super kicks. Um, I will say, Tavon, I don't like the way this feed's going because it's already watered down, and two, they make Johnny Gargano still look like a heel, like in a cowardly way. He should be like a baby face that now should just be like not afraid to whoop Cross's ass. Um, what did you think of it? <laughs> what did you uh, think of the table? Okay, before um, I pretty much um, talk about that, um, I just wanted to um, say that um, he reached out to me to um, reach out to you. Yeah, 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 I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about that. Um, yeah. I, I, I know who you're talking about, but, but, fuck him. <laughs> Sorry. Like it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, Tavon, we're moving on. We're talking about NXT, man. I'm not talking about that. I, I've already, I've already made my piece and we're not talking about him no more. So. Okay, well, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of a bit, um, it's kind of a bit, um, yeah, it's a bit watered down, <laughs> pretty much. It, it is, and, I mean, to me, I mean, they're still making Gargano look heel, cowardly. He still looks like a cowardly heel. And and the thing is, it, and we all know he's going to more than likely win the NXT title. Because remember, he, Karrion Cross is not defending the title on Tuesday on the Great American Bash, so he is defending it at TakeOver. But if all signs are indicating that Karrion Cross is going to the main roster, Tavon, then more than likely he's going to have to drop it to Johnny Gargano. But if they're going to go ahead and put the title on Gargano, then they need to make Gargano a babyface fully. And make it where he's not being a cowardly heel, correct? Yeah. Exactly. So I would definitely do that. Um, but yeah, definitely though. Um, also, to, also to the person that was like messaging you and stuff, we've already gave him his parade. We've gave him his roses. Um, he is not allowed back on the show. So um, fuck him. Um, anyways, Roderick Strong of the Diamond Mind. I like this group. I don't know why I'm gonna I'm gonna be in love with this group for some reason, but of course they defeated. Um, of course, Roderick Strong defeated Asher Hale. Two minute match didn't go that long. In Strong's corner was Malcolm Bivens, Tyler Rust, and the Hideo Suzuki. This was a great showcase for Strong. I liked it. Um, of course, after the match, uh, you had Bivens. You know he was very vocal 
at ringside. He cut the promo afterwards. He said the Diamond Mine is open for business, and it's just the beginning. I like it. Um, what did you think of this? Hmm? What did you think of the Roddy Strong Diamond Mine um, defeating Asher Hill in the squash match? It was pretty good. It's basically establishing another stable, pretty much. It is, yeah. I, I, I like it. and I, 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 I'm going to love what this group does. I'm just going to be a fan of this group. I know I am. Up next, we had another squash match. Cameron Grimes defeated um, Ari Sterling, who's the former Blake Christian of the um, Impact and New Japan Strong shows. Cameron Grimes beat him with a cave-in. Wasn't that fun. <laughs> it was just a squash match. Um, so then, of course... This is where it got into everything. The new million-dollar champion, L.A. Knight, interrupted Grimes celebrating. Um, Knight said, no one gives a damn about Grimes. Then um, then why is Knight trolling if no one gives a damn? I'll tell you why no one's not giving a damn. Because the ratings will – because I'm pretty sure the ratings for this quarter are going to be shitty. <laughs> I know they're gonna be shitty, Tavon. You know, and, and, and no offense to, and no offense to, <laughs> it's the fourth singles title. So LA Knight's gotta give a damn about either Cameron Grimes or he's gotta give a damn about um, Jake Atlas. And Jake Atlas was busy that night, so that's why he couldn't give a damn. Um, Knight then went on to call Grimes a natural born loser. Grimes proceeded to cut a promo on Knight, and Grimes challenged Knight to a match. For next week for the Million Dollar Championship. Knight at first declined the offer until Knight said, you know what? I lost my sunglasses today. So if I'll give you a match for this championship, but if you lose, you have to become my butler. And Cameron Grimes just accepts becoming a butler quickly. I'm like, you do know if you lose this match, you're going to have to become his butler, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? It was some funny shit. You know, you know what this reminded me of? It reminded me on NXT UK back a while ago. Yeah. Um, um, Zaya um, Brookside and um, Nina Samuels. Exactly, <laughs> Nina Samuels exactly. is already challenging no. um, Mako Satomura now. Exactly, yeah. And, and, what's, and what's funny about everything was, like, it didn't even go that long for being a maid for poor Nina Samuels. And Nina Samuels didn't even have to do anything. All she had to do was, like, bring some, like, chalk to her so that way she could work out with it. I'm like, and bring water and just fill it up. I'm like, what? So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to this Butler thing. Um, I feel like they stole this Butler thing from AEW and um, Chuck Taylor had to become, like, Miro's Butler. That's where I feel like they've stole this from. <laughs> yeah. um, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Candice Ray and Indy Hartwell, confronted their challengers. Io Shirai and Zoe Stark were being interviewed backstage, and then they were interrupted by Ray and Hartwell. Ray warned Stark that Shirai is a sore loser, teasing Shirai would turn on her. And then, literally, Zoe Stark says, you know what? We don't need to like each other. We just need to have respect. I'm like, so you basically just said it's okay she turns on you. I'm like, I'm like man, I would never did that. I'm like, so basically, Zoe Stark said that she doesn't give a damn. If Shirai turns on her, she said they just have respect for each other, Tavon. So um, that's not a good thing to me um, because that tells me they're going to lose next week and Shirai might actually turn on her. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then Shirai shot back at Candace saying that she's never beaten her one-on-one and Shirai and, um, Shirai and Stark vowed they would win the Tag Team Championships and Candace Ray said that we'll see about that. I will say this here, though. I'm so happy they're done with the Indy Hartwell-Dexter Lima stuff because <laughs> – 
because because now Andy Hartwell's now acting like an actual person. She's not being she's not like falling in love with this guy or nothing. It's it's finally now over. Thank goodness. They 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 actually they actually might have actually listened to their audience this one time and said, you know what, this storyline is so stupid, we don't even know how to get out of it. So they just got out of it by just having Poppy Hugger. It's worked. I mean, I know on the Instagram store, I know on our Instagram, though, if you go to Indy Hartwell's Instagram, Dexter Loomis will be in the comments, but that's that's very little, so we can actually live with that. Then we had <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole come face-to-face with each other. Of course, um, this was actually a really great promo segment. Of course, Samojo came out. And told the guys that look here because how you two have acted, I'm gonna be out here just in case. Um, and then Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole exchanged promos with each other, and then um, Adam Cole said Kyle O'Reilly was jealous. Kyle O'Reilly actually kind of did seem jealous in this. And then Kyle O'Reilly said that he was disgusted for ever being a part of the Undisputed Era, and was disgusted to ever be in um, Adam Cole's shadow. And Adam Cole said, whether you want to admit it or not, he said, you know I'm the best. Samoa Joe knows I'm the best. Samoa Joe had the best facial reaction. He rolled his eyes like, yeah, okay, pal. He's like, if I get cleared, I'm going to whoop your ass. So, and then and then I love this next line. He said, and even your wife knows I'm better. Um, and that, that's what the girl went like. Like, I was like, I said, that's what I was looking for. They, they, got, the, they got the shock part out of everybody, man. Because that basically, like, insinuated that, like, oh, like, you've been talking to Kyle O'Reilly. So actually, Kyle O'Reilly said don't you ever mention my wife again <laughs> and i love this i loved it I, I and then of course adam cole was charging at kyle o'reilly he nearly hit samoa joe he nearly did and then kyle o'reilly locked on a uh, locked on the heel hook submission hold and literally adam cole's like crying in pain he's like Samoa, he's asking samoa joe. he said why won't you get him <laughs> off me and samoa joe just stood there for like a few minutes and the security just stood there at the ramp and then Samoa Joe's like, you know what, fuck it. He's like, come on, security, just get him off. And then, and that was it. I was like, what? I said, you let this. And, and, and even and even Wade Barrett made a great point. He's like, he's like, what kind of authority is Samoa Joe now? He's literally helping Kyle O'Reilly. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be helping everybody, but he's not helping no one here. And I was laughing about that because I was like, you know what? I said, they made a great point. He didn't help him out at all. Like. I'm like, Samoa, so I don't know if Samoa Joe is supposed to be a heel or not now. I'm like, what the hell? Then Tian Shaw um, did a vignette. They highlighted the faction for their upcoming next tag match. Hit Row was um, um, making sure Isaiah Scott was warming up and everything and told Isaiah Scott they look like money and everything. And it was a good promo from Isaiah Swerve Scott. And then, of course, the battery is now at 70% as the show is going on. The battery does get all the way up to 81%, so... Next week, we should be seeing who is this mystery person. Uh, Zion Lee and Boa defeated Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas in a mixed tag match. This match was ended due to rep stoppage. Zion Lee gave Mercedes Martinez a kick, and Mercedes Martinez did not put her hands up, so Mercedes Martinez was out cold. Um, so the match mm-hmm. ended. Um, Mercedes Martinez was then went to the hospital. She was checked out. For concussion-related symptoms, um, I've been told that Mercedes Martinez is fine right now. She's not in any bad shape, um, but she might have a concussion. So we probably won't be seeing Mercedes Martinez on TV for a couple weeks. And for people that are saying that, oh, well, 
Siley's a terrible worker. They need to fire her. No, no, this was an accident. You know, uh, you know, everyone is going to go back to say, well, Xylee broke Aaliyah's nose uh, two years ago. I'm like, let's not start that. Let's not start that. So um, it was an accident. It was never meant to actually hit her, and it's okay. So, um, Tavon, Tav- what did you think of this? Yeah, it was um, a good match, but yeah, that was a uh, yeah, that was more so a brutal kick by um, Zia Lee there. She basically just kicked the life out of her. Ooh, she did. I, I and Mercedes Martinez was out so cold that she didn't have her shoulders down at all. Because Mercedes Martinez literally had all of her shoulders up and everything, and the ref was just counting. In those situations, I would have just called the match and not even had Zaylee even pin her. Because and 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 good job to referee Aja Wilson, who is the real life fiance of Leon Ruff. She did the right thing. She went to the protocol and she ended the match quickly. And they did not show the camera of Mercedes Martinez being knocked out. They just panned it to Zaylee and Boa. So I actually liked that. That was actually very good. What Aja Wilson did, she did the right thing in the situation. I'm not mad at Aja mm. Wilson. She did everything right. She did everything right. Good job for WWE to make sure to just stop the match right then and there. Mm. Very good job. Very good job. I'm not mad about that. MSK faced off with Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. I love this segment. I loved it. Here's the only thing that was confusing, though. MSK is now heels. But I don't think they were supposed to be heels. But they were not getting no cheers or nothing in this. <laughs> um, everyone brought out a steel folding chair to the ring. I like that. That's good. It was there was a lot of tension, and then uh, and, and and it's honestly like we don't see that on TV. You don't just see like guys just sitting down in like a folding chair and talking. This was actually pretty cool. MSK wanted some respect on their name. Um, Lee cut a great promo, and then Carter then slapped Thatcher. Um, of course, then toothless Timmy, um, Timothy Thatcher, as Chippa, um then was got slapped literally. Thatcher lunged at Carter, but Champa held Thatcher back. Champa told MSK he brought the mic right into Nash Carter's ear, and then whispered to him. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, next week, he said, you better bring your lunch. He said this week was free. He said, but next week, we're going to take those titles. And they gave him a kiss, and then they left. <laughs> I love this segment. <laughs> it was perfect. It was simple. I couldn't stress this more enough. I was like, these guys need to talk more to each other. I loved every bit of it. Um, what did you think of this segment? It was a really good segment. Was um, <laughs> yeah the um Chumpa, <laughs> the Chumpa's gonna kill you, chance by the crowd is like man <laughs> no, I know. for MSK that that's what I knew MSK was like kills I'm like yeah they done turned on MSK man I'm like yeah but but MSK actually did do good they you know they took their gimmick seriously and everything but they just treated like heels weren't they yeah <laughs> yeah they were um General Manager William Regal was being interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell. Regal was approached by Saray. Man, we haven't even seen that woman in a long time, have we? <laughs> Saray yeah, said since she wanted the um, bonus match from Takeover in Your House. Exactly, yeah. And Saray um, says she wanted a match against Tony Storm. Regal said that he would consider it. 
I, I don't know what there was to consider about it. Like, <laughs> did Tony Storm ain't doing anything? Like, does Tony Storm have a date or something next Tuesday? Like, what was, the, what was the reason, like, you said you would consider it? I'm like, poor Saray. Saray just went in there nicely, and she said, Mr. William Regal, can I have a match with Tony Storm? And William Regal's like, oh, I'll consider it. Like, ah, just get on out of here, you little skip. Like, like poor Saray. Like, Saray couldn't even get no respect. I'm like... I'm like, man, I said, poor Saray. Like, I, and I literally said last week, Tavon, they should have just made Tony Storm a babyface. Because she could have worked this match with Xia Lee and Tian Shaw. She could have just worked that. Instead, they wanted Tony Storm to still be a heel for no reason. Like, you know, and you know the next mm. time Tony Storm comes out there, you know they're going to cheer. Yeah. You know they're going to. Like, so that made zero sense. I'm like, man, why did you do that? I'm like, you had to make something easy, difficult now, and and now it's going to be difficult because now, because now, because I don't want to root against Tony Storm not after what she's done, you know, and and now and now it's just like man, now I got to boo her again. I'm like, I don't want to boo her as a heel, you know. She didn't do anything wrong now. So, um, Johnny Gargano did not leave the property because Karrion Cross was then interviewed. He said, Cross, he said, what did you think of when Johnny Gargano super kicked you? So of course. Gargano and Theory attacked him from behind. That's again being a cowardly heel again. So then, um, Johnny Gargano literally hit Cross right in his head with the door, and he kept hitting him with the door. And then Johnny Gargano went to the camera and said, "Carrying Cross is not better than me on my worst day." And then Carrying Cross literally puts him in a straight jacket chokehold and just chokes out Gargano. And then throws – and then just gives Theory like this like discus elbow right into the back of his neck. And like, God. And then carrying across – which I thought they were actually going to run over Johnny Gargano. <laughs> I thought but so. They did. <laughs> they were but trying they to kill him. <laughs> exactly. But they didn't. And then what happened was carrying across drove away. Samoa Joe literally has Johnny Gargano by the neck of his collar. And this is what he says. He's like, Johnny – he said, maybe you picked the wrong fight tonight. <laughs> and then he just lifted him up. He said, come on, you. And then he didn't even help Theory up. So so I don't know what Samoa Joe is supposed to be now. I don't think Samoa Joe's a baby face. But I think he's not supposed to be a heel neither. Um, because Samoa Joe did not help Johnny Gargano or Austin Theory tonight, did he? Mm. <laughs> well... He did save jo- Johnny. <laughs> well, after Johnny was already choked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you saved, yeah, you saved the unconscious man. Like that, that's some terrible. If, that, if that's what, if that's what the standard for a baby face is nowadays, that is sad. That is just <laughs> sad. I, I like, like that is some sad stuff. That's like me saying, like I saved Asher Hale after the Diamond Mine beat him in a match. And then the Diamond Mine beats my ass. I don't get over as a baby face, and Asher Hale looks worse. Because that makes Asher Hale look like, oh, he ain't got no friends at all. He just got weak friends. Like, my goodness, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Great American Bash lineup for Tuesday. NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, Candice Ruey and Indy Hartwell defend them against Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. LA Knight defends his million-dollar championship against Cameron Grimes. If Grimes loses, then he becomes um, Knight's butler. MSK defends their NXT Tag Team Championships against Tommaso Champion and Timothy Thatcher and Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole 2, main event. In our main event for NXT Tuesday, Isaiah Swerve Scott defeated Bronson Reed to win the North American Championship. So 
I don't think you and I have to both say this, but we're going to go ahead and say it. One, two, three, main roster. So, <laughs> uh, Bronson Reed's done for the for NXT. He's now moving to the main roster um, because they would have never gave Reed a short championship reign. And I really feel bad for the North American Championship, Tavon. Um, and, I'm not, and I'm not crit- – and, and before people think I'm criticizing Isaiah Scott, I'm not criticizing him. I'm proud of Isaiah Swerve Scott. I'm glad he won the championship. I'm glad Hit Row's now going to get more of a TV time with their push. Here was my only issue with this, though. The right man to beat Bronson Reed was Santos Escobar. It was. But Santos Escobar, to me, looks like he's going to the main roster also. Because there's no way that they would have just ignored Santos Escobar unless they knew Santos is going to the main roster as well. So, but this was a really good match. This match did not start off good, though. It started off slow as hell, and you had to wait till after the commercial break to then get your match that you wanted. But this match, but it was, um, of course, um, Bronson Reed did a Dusty Rhodes tribute by using the bionic elbow. Scott moved over with a belly splash. Of course, here's how the finish goes. Top dollar caused distraction at ringside. So Ashanti the Adonis then interfered and pulled ring uh, pulled Bronson Reed off the top turnbuckle. Reed was um, then so then of course the referee is about to kick out Top Dollar and Ashanti the Adonis, and then Top Dollar just says, "You know what? Fuck it! I'm getting ready to get kicked out. I'm going to destroy Bronson Reed." So he looks like he's about to go kill Bronson Reed. Instead, poor Top Dollar nearly killed his damn self. Like poor AJ Francis, like he took this bump hard, Tavon. Mm-hmm. My goodness, dude, he went right through the barricade. And I, I was like, and like, even Ashanti the Adonis was like, me. Ashanti was like, yo, he's like, you okay, man? He's like, what the hell? And then Bronson Reed just threw his ass over and then right on Top Dollar. Top Dollar's like, oh, man. So Top Dollar felt two bumps that night. He felt another, he felt, he felt the brunt of his strength. And then he felt a 200 pound man thrown on him. So. Poor, poor AJ Francis. Um, Scott then got a good kick right on Brunson Reed and then hit a 450 for the victory. New North American champion, um, Tavon, what is your thoughts on um, Isaiah Swerve Scott as the new North American champion? Um, it's, it's pretty much um, awesome. I mean, I pretty much figured... Um, yeah, I pretty much figured because the main event, I mean, it was pretty much close to call. I mean, Bronson Weed, I mean, he has to defend it, but the way that um, Hit World was, has been booked so far, it's like Isaiah Swerve got to win this now. And it's like, so I figured, yeah, I'm going to go for Swerve on this one. And it just so happens that Swerve won it. I was pretty shocked that I was correct, but yeah, it happened, and... I'm pretty much happy for Swerve, and this is the beginning of Hitwell. It actually is. Congratulations to Isaiah Swerve Scott. Congratulations to all of Hitwell. B Fab did great in her role. AJ Francis took that huge barricade bump. Poor AJ. Oh, he's fine. Like you know, I know that we. I know like you know Mercedes Martinez got hurt, but no one didn't check on AJ Francis. Um, and yeah, and give credit to Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed did. Everything right as a champion, he just didn't get the time that he deserved as a champion. He didn't, and now he's going to go to the main roster in WWE. 
Um, probably to Monday Night Raw, more than likely. Wouldn't you say, Tavon, or do you think he's going to SmackDown? Bronson Weed? Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. I would say Raw. Raw needs fresh faces anyway. True. True. Um, I don't know if I'm going to like Bronson Reed matches anymore, though. Because, no offense, you know they're not going to let him do that high-flying shit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like Keith Lee there. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked. Because, you know, cause you know, look what they did to Keith Lee. They made him get a whole new attire. They made him get everything new. You know they did. And they gave him new music. So, I wouldn't hold my breath on a Bronson Reed push. And Bronson Reed is 38. And Vince and Bruce do not like guys over 40. Anyway, so, AEW Wednesday night. Chris Jericho was on commentary the entire show. He got the full Judas entrance at the show start. They kept the camera at the middle. They did not change back the hard camera. So they just kept it in the middle, which is fine. I guess they didn't have enough fans or whatever. Um, so then we got a fantastic opener. Eddie Kingston and Penta, El Zero Miro with Alex Abrahantes defeated the Young Bucks. Fantastic opener. Um, of course, Kingston and Penta won, so next week at Road Ranger, they get an AEW Tag Team Championship match against the Young Bucks. Um, but this match here was really good, though. I actually really like this match. Um, of course, here's how the finish goes. Um, of course, we have Penta and Nick exchanging strikes in the ring. The former one hit a super kick and then caught um, Nick with one, and then but then Nick hit a low blow when the official couldn't see it because he was hugging. He literally hugged um, um, Rick Knox. Yeah, he hugged Rick Knox, and he said, "Hey, Rick, give me a hug." And then he kicked him right in the nuts. The Bucks went for the Lucha Brothers diving um, fear factor finish. The Kingston broke up the pin just in time. Kingston hit an exploder on Nick, but ate a super kick. And he just took this super kick, Tavon, and didn't even blink. He just took it. He's like, okay. And then he got hit again. And then Penta backdropped um, Nick Jackson to the floor. And the Good Brothers distracted the official. But Penta avoided Cutler's cold spray. And Brandon Cutler still sprayed the damn thing at, like, Nick Jackson for, like, over a minute. And Jim Ross said, you idiot, stop spraying. <laughs> I, was, I love this. I love this. And then, of course, Frankie Kazarian came out, took out Brandon Cutler. Penta took out everyone with a top rope Kogiro before the Fear Factor and spinning back fist um, from Eddie Kingston to pick up the victory. I like this match. Great match. Great match. It was actually I would actually give this uh, three and two quarters as well. What did you think of this match, Tavon? It was a pretty good match. Good match, yeah. I actually even like the finish of everything. I like that Frankie Kazarian. I love how Chris Jericho was trying to call Frankie Kazarian the Punisher, and Excalibur's just calling him an elite hunter. And I'm like, ah, oh. like we like Chris Jericho was like really trying to give Frankie Kazarian something new, and he couldn't get it over because Excalibur kept calling him an elite hunter. Um, um, but anyway, so good match. I mean, good match. Couldn't say anything bad about this match. Um, I will say though, this is the only thing I don't like. Next week, we're going to get, be getting the same match, except more than likely the finish will be with the Young Bucks winning with all the distractions. I, I would have held this match off till night two of Fighter Fest, which is July 21st. What about you? Um, the second match? Yeah, the, the no, I'm talking about the 
the Kingston Penta because next week they're going to get the tag team championship match against the Young Bucks. So we're going to be getting, we're pretty much going to be getting the same match next week except the Young Bucks will win with the distractions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to have to say, yeah, I'm going to have to say it's pretty much going to be a decent match. Yeah, because yeah, because I don't think they're going to be able to top this match because I'm pretty sure with all the distractions that they're going to do to get the Young Bucks to keep the championships, this is going to be like I would have saved this for like July 21st for the Fighter Fest night two or or week two Fighter Fest because there's no reason that we have to you know get the same match out again. There was no reason to. Um, but it's whatever. Uh, Christian Cage and Jungle Boy were backstage. Christian said he was proud of Jungle Boy. And that he, they took um, Kenny Omega to the brink. He said Jungle Boy is about to become a champion someday. But first, he's going to become the first AEW wrestler to get 50 wins. Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt appeared. They thanked Christian for having Jungle Boy's back. Luchasaurus said that he now has Christian's back. And then Christian made a reference saying that his uncle is one five hundred of a dinosaur. <laughs> Funny. Um, then we had Ethan Page interview with Tony Schiavone. So Ethan Page and Scorpion Sky are in the ring. Page was about to speak about why he chose the coffin match, but then was drowned out by booze, and they told the crowd to shut up. And Chris Jericho said, man, I really miss the crowd. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, poor Ethan Page. Ethan Page could not get his problem off. So then, of course, Ethan Page then said that he was going to exterminate Darby Allen for good. Um, then, of course, um, he said no one's done more physical damage to Darby Allen than I have, and that actually is true. He did throw Darby Allen off a bunch of steps and everything. Um, so then Sting's music interrupted. He came out with a rolling casket, and then a Darby Allen video played of him wearing an Ethan Page mask and then burning the casket. And then Darby Allen came from um, the casket and then tried to rake out um, Ethan Page's eyes. Um, Ethan Page said, you know what, just for that, for touching me, you don't get your coffin match next week. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said, you have to make sure not to touch me one week before our match. He said, so you might get me at Fighter Fest um, soon. So, so, um, what's your thoughts on them delaying this coffin match till, I guess, July fourteenth or the twenty first? It's kind of interesting, and we're at the same time. We'll we'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah, I'm I'm just like, eh, I mean, they could have just gave you the match. I mean, there was no reason to um, delay it off again, and that made no sense. Before the match, Matt Hardy said he was sending Evans after Jungle Boy for stepping in on Hardy business. He doesn't care if Jack Evans wins or loses, just as long as he hurts Jungle Boy. So then, I hate promos like this, Tavon, because, okay, here's the thing. I understand Jungle Boy was going to get his 50th win. Because we all knew he was going to beat Jack Evans. However, whenever wrestlers cut promos like that, they automatically tell you that the heel's never winning. Like, if, if, if the heel's not going to win, then I would have – here's how I would have booked this. I would have done a DQ finish where Jack Evans literally takes a chair to Jungle Boy's foot or ankle or arm or something. And Jungle Boy would have gotten his 50th win, but he would have gotten it on a terrible way. And instead, Jack Evans doesn't even injure Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy just wins this match. And 
Jungle Boy and Jack Evans had the same amount of offense, and Jungle Boy even won with a snare trap with the submission hold. So, um, what did you think of the match? Yeah, it was a, um, yeah, it was a pretty, eh, somewhat decent match. It was basically on Jungle Boy pretty much winning in quick fashion. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a win to get Jungle Boy his heat back, I guess. Um, after the match, the Hardy family um, office ran out, but Christian and the Jurassic Express made the save. Christian hit a reverse DDT on Hardy in the ring and then choked him out with his suit jacket. Evans tried to get involved, but Christian fought him off. So we're going to be getting Matt Hardy and Christian soon. And we better be getting them soon because I, I don't like this feud. I don't. What about you? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was announced that AEW is returning to Daily's Place August 4th, called Homecoming. So, we've got so many specials for AEW. Why do we need to keep having more specials? This is gonna, that, that's a lot of fucking specials to me. Um, Excalibur said it'd be the last time they're at Daily's Place for a long time. Um, Okay, I mean, August 4th, though, for a special homecoming? I mean, okay. Wait, wait, is August 4th on a Wednesday? Let me check and see if August 4th is on a Wednesday. Yeah, it is actually on a Wednesday. So, so Tavon, we're going to be getting more um, specials. How do you feel about that? <sighs> Somewhat excited, but I hope they don't necessarily overkill it. The way they're going, man, in the next six out of seven weeks, it's nothing going to be specials. So, no, this they're killing this shit, man. Oof. MJF addressed Chris Jericho. He said he's outclassed Jericho week after week, both in the ring and on the mic. He told Jericho to call it quits and listed all of Jericho's transgressions against him as Looney Tunes. He said Jericho used to be cool, and now he's a joke. Next week, he will announce a list of stipulations Jericho can have one last match with MJF with. In the meantime, MJF said he's going to take out his anger on Sammy Guevara. People have been wanting to see this match for a long time to figure out who's the future of professional wrestling. MJF said after tonight, they'll say Guevara's the future because MJF is the now, and he's better than you, and you know it. Great promo. Andrade El Itador was uh, was interviewed by Alex Aberhantes. He talked about Matt Seidel. Andrade said that this Matt something interrupted him after he was going to make a special announcement and then he said next week and July 7th he said they can fight each other at Road Rage he said Andrade El Itador versus Matt something so Kenny Omega interviewed with um, Tony Schiavone uh, Kenny Omega and I forgot to mention this here the Young Bucks Micah Nakazawa Kenny Omega all got mustaches now and they all look like '80s porn stars. <laughs> That's what Jim Ross said. Exactly, and and look like and and Kenny Omega, you know, just came out like Kenny Omega really looked like the '80s porn star, but the Young Bucks came out looking like Freddie Mercury's. I'm like, I was surprised Jericho didn't make a reference to Freddie Mercury, but I'm like, man, everyone had to have a mustache, and Kenny Omega's mustache, you know, what his mustache reminded me of 2005 Triple H. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I was like, so of course, 
Kenny Omega then talked about how he stayed motivated every day, and today he woke up feeling like a king because he defeated all the biggest stars in AEW and um, and then defeated the top young star, Jungle Boy. So then Dark Order interrupted. Evo Uno says he thinks Kenny Omega has one more challenger before Omega can be dismissive about the AEW roster. And um, and then Uno and then and then Omega said, "Well, I know it's not none of you, Dark Orders, because none of you don't even have a victory." He said, "What are you gonna do? Give me five? He said, five wouldn't even last two minutes in the ring with me." And then and then Chris Jericho commentary said, "Well, why did he last ten last year with you?" <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, good point. I was like, he did last 10 minutes in the ring with him. Um, great. Uh, the, and then, of course, Dark Order said that, no, that they all know no one has any wins to face Kenny, but implied Hangman Page does. And then Kenny Omega would not say Hangman's name. The crowd was only saying Hangman's name. And, Hangman, and, and Omega said, I know you're not talking about who you think I'm talking about. He said, <laughs> because that guy ain't going to challenge me. And then Kenny Omega did his goodbye, good night, bang, and I loved it because the crowd actually did it along with him. I loved it. Um, and the segment ended with no hangman. And then Brian Pillman Jr. was backstage. He told he told Miro to forgive him for not believing the same things he did. And he said that he said that he said I'm going to make sure to end Miro's god complex of a messiah. He said, and I'm going to make sh- and he said I'm going to prove that why Miro's nothing but a bully. And make him my Bulgarian bitch. And I was like, <gasps> I will say this here, though. That's funny as hell because, man. And then immediately when I, when I heard him cut this promo, I was like, I noticed how you didn't say this to Miro's face. <laughs> I liked it. It was funny. It was a funny thing. So then, of course, we had Miro defeat Brian Pillman Jr. Really fun match. Dominant title victory. Miro got new entrance music and everything. Um. So yeah, what did you think of the match uh, between Miro and Brian Pillman Jr. Tavon? Tavon. Oh dang! I was on mute. Um, decent match. Um, basically, um, uh, a simple match of pretty much Brian Pillman being the underdog and Miro being a heavy favorite. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to um, – but, hey, I mean, Miro got a great victory, and Brian Pillman Jr. looked strong, though. He did. Um, Hangman Page was upset with the Dark Order. He asked if they were um, – he asked if they thought he was scared of Omega. But Cole Cabana, who actually gets some talking finally in the show, said that – he said, we know you're not scared of Hangman. He said, we just know that you're scared of failure. So then Evil Uno said, when I lost my TNT Championship match, you had, you put me on your shoulders. I'm like, yeah, he kind of did, yeah. And then, of course, John Silver said, win or lose, we always have your back. And then they all hyped him up, and Alex Reynolds says, Hangman, this is your time. Taz was backstage with Hook and Hobbs. He said Brian Cage and Ricky Starks weren't here, and it's been rough on them. And then and then uh, Hobbs said that this better be solved, Taz, or I'll solve it. So then Taz said, I've got a great idea. He said, on July 14th at Fighter Fest Night 1, he said a healthy Ricky Starks will challenge Brian Cage for the FTW Championship. I don't know if I would have gave Ricky Starks this match against Brian Cage because, no offense, Brian Cage, you know, I mean, he did that powerbomb to Sting. Sting has still felt that powerbomb, 
and Ricky Starks is just coming off a neck injury, and I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but Tavon, are you a little worried about Ricky Starks being healthy on July 14th and having a match with Brian Cage, or do you think, no, they'll have a safe match? They should have a safe match. They should. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel defeated Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. This was not good. It went too long. Um, I said it was going to go too long. I said it needed to go less than five minutes. Uh, Rebel dislocated her knee in this match. She has a dislocated knee. So, yeah. So, of course, this match was not good anyway. They didn't show any Vicky Guerrero offense. They only showed it in picture-in-picture. Britt Baker won, literally making Vicky Guerrero tap out. So they protected Nyla Rose. Here's how I would have booked this, and I feel like they oversimplified on this booking. Here's what I would have done, okay? You have Nyla Rose kill Rebel real quick, okay? And then afterwards, you have Vicky Guerrero pin her while Nyla Rose just stands there guarding it. And then while Britt Baker walks away, Rebel gets put through a table. That was simple. That's all you had to do. Instead, they gave you a 10-minute match. They then had, after the match, Britt Baker tapped out Guerrero, but then Nyla Rose put Britt Baker through the table. I'm pretty sure Rebel was supposed to go through the table, but since Rebel couldn't, Britt Baker had to do it, and this didn't establish Britt Baker as a top person, and this didn't make Nyla Rose look like a strong challenger. What did you think? Um... What again? I said the I said the Britt Baker um uh, the Britt Baker tag match with Rebel against Ricky Guerrero and Nyla Rose. What did you think of the match? Oh, I thought it was pretty much in <laughs> as as figured when it comes to um. Well, I wouldn't say as figured because that's, but yeah, they yeah they they basically <laughs> they basically kept kept Vicky Guerrero hidden on 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 picture in picture and yeah she didn't necessarily do that much but hey it was <laughs> funny that she pretty much gave up the moment Britt Baker locked that <laughs> exactly but she got but she but but, but I, I just thought the finish was just like man like like they, they protected Britt Baker and stuff but man I, I just didn't like this match it was just horrible um, next week's lineup for Road Rager AEW World Tag Team Champions, Young Bucks, take on Eddie Kingston, Penta. Southeast Strap Match, Cody Rhodes, QT Marshall. Andrade El Irodo takes on Matt Seidel. Inner Circle, Jake Hager, Santana Ortiz take on the Pinnacle, Wardlow, Dax Hardwood, and Cash Wheeler. Orange Cassidy and Chris Statland take on the um, Blade and the Bunny. Chris Jericho and MJF have a face-to-face standoff about the stipulations. Jake Hager said every time the Pinnacle sees them, one or two things happen. One, they get the ass whooped. Two, they get the ass whooped. Santana said that they get their hands dirty. It's going to feel so much sweeter knowing FTR brought all the fight they can, and they're going to have Conan in their corner. Ortiz said, you guys just messed up. So then our main event of the night, it was the final match in Daly's place till August 4th. It was MJF defeating Sammy Guevara. Um, Four-star match. I love this match. This match before the commercial break, had great stuff. You had close near falls. You had both guys countering each other's moves. Great stuff. And then, of course, 
I, I, I'm not a fan of the overbooked stuff, but this was actually pretty good. Um, here's the only things that I would have said the only reasons was wrong with this match, Tavon, okay? For mm-hmm. one, when MJF did the tombstone power driver off the second rope to Sammy Guevara, I thought that should have been the three. Because I don't think you should kick off tombstones. I just I, I have that I have that personal opinion where I don't believe you should kick out of like these top finishers. Mm. Sammy Guevara hits a six thirty splash. I thought that should have been the go home where I'm like, okay, go home. This is the perfect finish. And it is the perfect finish because it would have made the crowd happy. Okay? But they didn't do that. So those were the only things I didn't like was the finishes. They kept overbooking the finish. You know, they should have just did the one finisher and that's it. Of course, um, here's how the finish does go, though. Sean Spears comes out. Chris Jericho gets off commentary. Wardlow catches him. Wardlow then throws Jericho right off the um, rampway. And then Sean Spears takes a chair to Sammy Guevara. Made sure Sammy Guevara made sure to put his hands up, too. So very smart thing that um, Spears did. And then MJF barely covered Guevara for the victory. Great match. What did you think of the match, Tavon? Yeah, it was pretty much an awesome match. Definitely um, a star-making performance from both men. I mean, those those near falls, those those um <laughs> those roll up, those near roll up um kickoffs. I mean, they were pretty much they were pretty much fun to watch. They they really were, and I loved every bit about this match. This match was good. The, the only things I just I hated about the match, though, I just hated the I just hated the overbooking of like the finishers because I thought the tombstone should have kicked it out, and it didn't. And then I was like, okay, well the six thirty should do it, and it didn't. And that was the only thing I was just mad about. The only, but it wasn't enough to like drag down the star rating to me. It was still a four star match. I still enjoyed it. It was a really great match on Dynamite too. And then, of course, we close out the show with um, highlights over the last 15 months of being in Daly's Place. That was the two stadium stampedes. That's, you know, Mike Tyson, Snoop Dogg, all, everybody being there. Basically, all of AEW's best moments, Tavon, are yeah. in Daly's Place. They're not anywhere else. They're all in Daly's Place. Mm-hmm. Like, they had, like they had the show with no fans in Daly's Place. They had all the celebrities in Daly's Place. They've had all the big matches in Daly's Place. They've never had anything else. You know, it's just like so, – so So. finally they now need to start now. So now I'm glad that they are getting back on the road because now they need to make memories outside of Daly's Place. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, but beautiful video package, beautiful song. Of course they highlighted um, John Huber, Brody Lee. Beautiful touching moment. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. touching moment. Um, and then, of course, the show ends with Jim Ross saying, you'll never find another special event like WWE Dynamite. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, man. And then, and then he got roasted like hell on Twitter. Oh, poor guy. I was like, I, said, I, I think I know what he meant to say. What he meant to say was, you're not going to find a better show even better than WWE. I think that's what he was trying to say. And he just messed up his words. So uh, it was funny, though. And then the Young Bucks have now put on their Twitter bio. Well, 
Eddie, they said they said Eddie and Penta can't beat us on WWE Dynamite. <laughs> so I like that. Um, so yeah, um, the two wrestling shows this week. Um, Tavon, if you had to give a grade on these from A to F, what would you give NXT and AEW? If you had to give grades for NXT, I'll give it. I'll gi- I'll give it a B plus, and for AEW, I'll give it. Hmm. I'll, I'll give it a B. I'm going to give both shows A's. They did great um, this week, and they did everything they could, and and it was good A shows, good A shows. Um, mm-hmm. If I, if I had to recommend anybody to check out some matches, definitely go check out the um, the three way opener on NXT. That was awesome. Check out Sammy Guevara MJF. That was awesome. And check out the opener on AEW between the Bucks and um, Eddie Kingston Penta. So those are the three matches I would recommend this week. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers are finalizing a deal to make David Fitzdale as their assistant coach. He will now be hmm. replacing the Jason Kidd. Of course, uh, David Fitzdale is known for, you know, of Take course, in his, <laughs> of course in his two stints as head coach, um, lasting less than two seasons both times. He was fired by the New York Knicks in just 22 games. And was 21 and 83 overall as the Knicks head coach. With Memphis, he was 50 and 51 overall, taking the Grizzlies to the playoffs in his first season. But he was fired after a 7 and 12 start in the 2017 2018 season. Fitzdale has been more of an assistant coach all of his career. Um, in fact, he was even a longtime assistant with the Miami Heat. So he's very good friends with LeBron James. Hmm. Um, congrats to Fitzdale for that job. Hopefully, um, oh, I, I can't wait till we hear a take that for data in the press conference from this guy. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. Yep. Um, Rick Carlisle said that he brings championship pedigree to the win. Now Indiana Pacers says the um, GM of the Indiana Pacers. It was um, of course, basketball president of operations, Kevin Pritchard thought the roster was a good fit for the coaching style. And Carlisle, the 61 year old, you know, it's a homecoming from, and they, and they, and this is what it's now being said now from Kevin Pritchard. The basketball president of operations, GM, he said, we're in win-now mode. We're trying to win, and so we'll identify some traits and characterisms we want We want it in a coach. Uh, Tavon, I don't mean to bust nobody's bubble in Indiana, but I don't see Rick Carlisle taking this team to no NBA Finals or even the Eastern Conference Finals. What about you? Yeah. I don't really see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it might happen. It might. I mean, look at what happened this year in the NBA. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks. No one did not expect them to make the Eastern Conference Finals, but if everybody's healthy next year and everything, I don't see this happening. I don't. Uh, LeBron James' Olympic career is likely over, according to Team USA's former um, guy and managing director Jerry Colangelo. Um, so Colangelo said um, the 36-year-old star is more likely done as um, playing for the Olympics. Tavon, what is your thoughts on LeBron more than likely being done um, playing in the Olympics now? It's uh, it's a bit tough. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I did enjoy LeBron in his time with the Olympics, and but then again, you know, LeBron is 36, and LeBron. We all know LeBron's going to do more movies, Tavon. We all know that. You know, he lives <laughs> yep. in L.A., and this year, 
it's Space Jam. Next year could be something big. I'm, next yep. year he could be in Fast and the Furious 10. He could be. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he could be. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He could be. You never know. I mean, we had John Cena this year, so. And and um, I did see Fast and the Furious 9. Um, and I will say this year, though, it was a very good movie. Very good movie. Here's what I will say, though, about the Fast and the Furious movie, though. If you if you don't ignore the physics of how cars can act like the Avengers, if you don't ignore the fake the 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 bad storytelling of John Cena and his brother, which makes zero sense because like like okay if this guy had a brother the entire time, why didn't we ever know about him? And you just look at it for like the car reasons and 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 you look at for the parts of the ludicrous Tyrese where ludicrous and Tyrese are the MVPs of this movie. I will say <laughs> that Tavon. They are the MVPs of this movie. They will make you laugh every fucking time. They are very fucking funny. They are very yep. fucking funny. Um but if you don't ignore that, Tavon, you won't enjoy this movie. I'm telling you man, you won't enjoy it. <laughs> it's uh, um and they've already set up Fast and the Furious 10. So mm-hmm. the good guys won. Because the good guys have to win every time, Javon. So, um, to yeah. anybody, to anybody that's upset, I just saved you twenty fucking dollars at the movie theater. Unless you were gonna take your, unless you're gonna take your woman there, I do apologize. But look at the bright side. I just saved you twenty dollars. Now, now you can go like watch something better. Now you can get ready to go watch Space Jam when it comes out, man. Like, like take, like take your girl to a better movie, or just go get HBO Max and you can watch Space Jam there. Uh, I just saved everybody money because because I doubt anybody's gonna be like. Oh well, this guy really just shitted on Fast and the Furious. Like, uh, like Fast and the Furious, they've made nine movies. We don't need a ten. We don't need an eleventh. And they've already got to set up a tenth one. And it's gonna be a ten part one. So we're gonna get two parts of Fast and the Furious ten. <laughs> I'm not happy about that, Tavon. I will say this year. I will say this year. The only reason I didn't mind breaking this because I'm like. Well, I didn't take. Well, I don't got no bitch or nothing to be taken anywhere, so fuck it. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I ain't got nobody to take, you ain't gonna be going neither. I'll spoil the movie for everybody. <laughs> um, Impact Wrestling has announced that they're that they will be um, having some post anniversary taping, and they will be actually putting tickets up. The shows will be for Sunday, July eighteenth, and Monday, July nineteenth. Session one for the July 18th is from 3 to 6 p.m., and session two will be from July 18th from 7 to 10 p.m. Central times. And um, Mondays will be 3 to 6 p.m. as well, and Monday will be as well 7 to 10 p.m. Central. So congratulations to Impact. Impact is actually going to be getting fans back. Very Mm -hmm. good stuff afterwards. Um, Let me see what else. Uh, Paul George said that after the Clippers elimination that um, if they had Kawhi Leonard, they would be going on. I do have to ask you this here, Tavon. If the Clippers did have Kawhi, do you think the Clippers would have been moving on in the series? They probably would have had a bigger chance, but I wouldn't say so. I would have said they would have at least went to seven games. <laughs> they probably would have went to seven games. Um, no question right there. Of course, um, Dabble Sweeney, the Clipson Tigers football head coach of the ACC, said that if college athletes were to ever get paid, he would retire because he did not want to coach players like that. However, Dabble Sweetie is, quote, excited about the benefits of this new ruling, says um, Clemson running back Daron Reachin. So, of course, Tavon, I'm going to be getting into the college football season soon. 
And I will say this here, though, and I'm going to say this here to, to all the ACC fans. Clemson's the only team in the ACC that matters. The ACC in football sucks because literally Clemson's the king of that division. The North Carolina Tar Heels actually might have a chance as a football team this year to actually beat Clemson, but I don't even know. Um, I'm going to have to be reviewing that stuff and everything like that. But all I know is, though, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on this. I'm not sold on the Dabble Sweeney being this excited. Um, of course, but then again, Clemson might have an undefeated season again this year. I don't know. Uh, Notre Dame is not in the ACC football, um, ACC football this year. They will be back as an independent um, school. Uh, Notre Dame is still a part of the ACC in basketball. They're just not in football. So, so definitely. Um, BYU Athletics. Um, um, BYU, their college said, athletes seeking to profit off this new um, code, off the NIL, must adhere to the school's honor code. So, of course, BYU athletes are seeking to seek profit for their name, image, likeliness, and still, but still must follow the all honor code systems, which at BYU, Tavon, prevents any athlete or college student to partake in alcohol, tobacco, or even coffee. And the honor code and the honor code even requires all male and female students must remain modest, neat, and clean in their dress and and appearance, and prohibits sleeveless or revealing attires and shorts or dresses that cut above the knee. So basically, no BYU athletes gonna be making fifty cents, are they? Um, also, also at BYU, you are not allowed to drink coffee, tea, alcohol, uh, and you're not even allowed to drink tea, neither. You're not even allowed to drink tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, this sucks. <laughs> man, they're not, man, these Right, BYU the censor basically came to BYU. Exactly. Man, what the hell is going on with this school in Utah, man? Not everyone's going to be a Mormon. Like, come on. Man, let these kids, <laughs> let the kids live. Let the kids at least drink a Coca-Cola. Jeez, man, let the kids drink a Coca-Cola, man. The kids can't even drink a Coca-Cola. That's sad, man. man. But let me just say this. If you're a BYU athlete and you show me that you go to that college, I will send you soda. I will actually send you some soda if you can prove to me that you do go to that college. Because you know everyone's got a college ID card. Everyone does. And if you don't have a college ID card, then, 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 then you don't go to that school. Because, my goodness, man, because i got some questions. And in exchange for the soda, I will ask the questions of how do you live at that school? Because that sounds terrible. Oh, my goodness. Oh, poor guys. Poor, poor, poor kids. Poor kids. These kids didn't deserve that. Hey, These kids man, didn't. things could be worse. I mean, you my high school, <laughs> like my they high were... school, I mean, it may, it, I mean, people always say that it's, the best high school, but in reality, I mean, it it pretty much has the um, it but it has the most <laughs> bad reputation, and nobody pretty much talks about it. <laughs> I, I I I will say my high school was so bad that I went to a Christian private high school, and mm. this school was so bad they didn't have a sports team. So after <laughs> I got they they didn't have a sports team to like my last year there. They did not – we had 30 students, so you had to see the same people every day. Um, 
and, and it was just like it was it was just the saddest shit ever, man. Like for real, it was so sad, man. It was just like no, like it was depression, man. It it, 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 it was just terrible, man. So no, it um all I will say is no, man. I, I feel bad for these BYU kids. These BYU kids came and drank a coke, man. <laughs> man, forget that. Oh my goodness. Anyways, though, to recap off the NCAA's um, now paying athletes, it is now being referred to as NIL, name, image, and likeliness rights. Of course, um, it has, of course, um, who is making these rules? These are roughly a dozen states that that have laws in effect that dictate how college athletes can profit from their name, image, and likeliness. Will schools be able to pay athletes directly? No, most new state laws and the NCAA rules explicably prohibit schools from paying athletes directly for the use of the NIL or any of its purposes. Can athletes uh, agreements with boosters? The NCAA does not have any rules that restrict boosters from paying athletes now as long as those payments are not directly from the athletic performance or in Duckment for recruitment purposes, Tavon. Mm. So, so that means that you can't pay someone two hundred thousand dollars to come to your college. You have to do it the right way. So, some mm. new state laws um, address booster involvement in different ways, and some may may need further um, interpretation before it's cleared of how involved boosters can be in paying athletes in these states. Are schools arranged to uh, are schools allowed to arrange name likeliness and image opportunities for student athletes? Some states' laws um, restrict schools from arranging deals such as BYU for for their athletes. The NCAA rules leave that decision up to individual schools, but it warns that the school needs to be careful that they don't cross any lines into an area that could be considered paying the players or using the name, image, and likeliness payments as a recruitment tool. Are there other restrictions on how athletes can make money? Yes, state laws and policies crafted by individual schools create an inconsistent variant of restrictions for athletes depending on whether they attend school. Like, for example, we, you and I just went through the BYU thing where they're not allowed to endorse alcohol, tobacco, or gambling products. Others have some restrictions on whether athletes are allowed to use the school's logo or c- other copyright material in any paid opportunity. So, Tavon, there could be some colleges that won't eat. So there's some colleges that will probably won't even let the players even make a dime as long as they wear the jersey of that team. Most states and schools are prohibited athletes from signing any deals that conflict with school sponsorship agreements. For example, Tavon, the Duke Blue Devils have a deal with the Nike um, brand. But if you see a player on Duke wearing Adidas shoes, he can't sign that deal, nor Mm. can he wear those shoes. So um, I'm saying this here to any Duke players that are coming um, to Duke next year. You better not be – what you call it? You better not um, be wearing no Adidas, man, or else you ain't playing. Um, hmm. However, in most cases, that athlete can promote, could promote a non-Nike shoe company during times when not playing games or participating in other team activities or events. So, will will an individual be required to report name, image, and likeliness activities to their schools? Most state laws provide a time frame 
in which athletes need to start sh- um, need to share the details of any potential deals with the school. In some states, the school needs to approve deals ahead of time. The NCAA rules don't specifically require that athletes report their deals to the schools, but it's likely that most schools will create policies that require some form of disclosure. Um, there, why isn't one universal set of rules for all college athletes? This is a good question. However, here's the reason why. The push for the name, image, and likeness rights gathered steam in 2019. When California passed a state law making it illegal for schools to ban athletes from making money, during the past two years, lawmakers in roughly two dozen other states have passed similar laws to make sure their schools weren't at a disadvantage in recruiting top talent. Due to lobbying from local schools and the depth of understanding each state legislation has about the nature of college sports. Those lawmakers took different approaches to regulating the new marketplace. The NCAA hoped Congress would help it pass a federal law that would create one consistent standard for all college athletes, but members of Congress have yet to agree on what should be included in a national law. Due to the antitrusting violations, if it creates its own set of name, image, and likeliness restrictions, without the backing of federal law. So for now, any school located in a state without a law going into effect is responsible for making and enforcing its own name and image likeliness policies. Will there be a universal set of rules in the future? It's likely that Congress will pass some sort of legislation that allows for a uniform in name, image, and likeliness standards for all college athletes across the country. Democrats and Republicans are divided from now on the scope of reform. They want to include Congress law. Republicans are pushing for a narrow law that allows address um, name, image, and likeliness rights. Democrats want to make sure schools provide increased medical coverage, academic benefits, and the right for athletes to collectively bargain in the future. NCAA leaders emphasize that the rule changes and puts in place for July 1, 2021, where a temporary solution while they have attempted to find ways to provide more guidance in the future. And a couple more questions. What kind of things will college athletes be able to do now to make money? Athletes are anticipated to appear in national advertising campaigns, partners with brands to advertise through social media channels, start their own youth sports camps or teach lessons, Uh launch their own business, sell memorabilia, have a Twitch channel or YouTube channel Hmm. and make money off that, make paid public appearances for speaking events or autograph signings now. Who stands to benefit? The top stars in college uh, sports will have the opportunity to use their fame to sign deals worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. Others who who have not built a massive social media following also stand to make considerable amounts of money, but also college athletes will have opportunities for smaller amounts of money or to receive items or free meals in exchange for promoting local businesses. Experts are unsure how exactly how much demand there will be for college athletes moving forward, but this um, should be more good. So now, Tavon, this now means that now if you promote the Olive Garden, now if you're an athlete, you can actually get free meals from the Olive Garden without having to worry about getting banned from the NCAA for games. So that's good. Um, And, of course, this is the big question that everyone's been wanting to ask. 
Does this mean college sports video games are returning with players in them? Maybe. Video games rely on group licensing deals, meaning that you don't need one athlete, you need the whole squad, which means that large groups of athletes for these name, image, and likeliness rights, college sports do not have unions, which technically negotiate deals for athletes, while current NCAA restrictions don't expressly prohibit group licensing, it's unclear if future rights might try to prevent those kinds of arrangements. There are some companies that are working to find ways to form a group licensing with college athletes without needing a union. And the EA Sports is committed to bringing back its popular college football video game at some point in the next two years. However, they have not made it clear that they want to bring back college basketball games yet. But you and I both know that if they're going to be working on a group deal, you know that there are going to be people that are going to say, well, what about the baseball games? What about the basketball games? Can't we just bring them all back? And more than likely, Tavon, we will be getting them all back soon, correct? Yeah. Exactly. So EA Sports did issue this statement after the name and image likeness rule went into effect. They said, we are watching the recent developments regarding student-athlete name, image, and likeness very closely. It's still very early stages at this point. And we plan to explore the possibility of including players in, ES, in EA Sports College Football for now. Our development team is focused on working with its partners at the CLC to ensure the game authentically showcases the great sport of college football and more than 100 institutes sign on to be featured in this game. However, one team did decide they did not want to be in the game. The Notre Dame fighter Iris will not be in the NCAA video game for um, in two years. So... And more than likely, I don't see BYU making it. Do you? Mm-mm. Yeah. And, of course, a big question here. It said, how will this change fans? It won't really. Um, you will see athletes from your favorite schools in local and national commercials. So if you think this affects you as a fan, it doesn't. It affects the players more. So, so these are some good things right here. All good things. Uh Tavon, I've got to ask you now, after you've heard all these rules, after you've heard everything that's being said, how do you feel now that college athletes are going to get paid? Do you think do you think this is going to be tough for college athletes, or do you think that this is the first step in towards getting to something easier? It's the first step in getting this stuff easier. I mean, you're paying for – I mean – you're easily paying yourself off with all that <laughs> tuition, so yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Exactly, and most and most of the top athletes too will have a scholarship, so they'll even be making a lot more money. Um, in NHL, it was Game Two um, yesterday where the Lightning beat the Canadians three one. Canadians are down two nothing to the Tampa Bay Lightning, which means um, Friday night at eight o'clock, it's the Lightning's at Canadians. That will be going on the same time as Friday Night SmackDown. Got to ask you, though, Tavon, can the Canadians come back from being down 0-2, or do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning are winning this in 4-5 or 6? I would have to say the Canadians come back to win this game. Yeah, I'd say the Canadians win Game 3 and Game 4, but I don't know who's going to win this series. I I did say the Canadians at first were going to win in 6, but they got to win four straight now to do this, so now this is going to be more tougher for the Canadians. 
Uh, 200 mailbag questions. Remember, if you have a question for myself or Tavon or Ash, whenever he's here, or whoever, remember, it's at 200mailbag.com. Uh, this question here was asked, uh, What was? where would you rank Kane as one of the greatest WWE wrestlers? Would he be in your top five, top ten, or top 25? Ooh, man, that's there's a bunch of people like I don't really be thinking of lists all the time, but I would have to say Kane is at least in my like top 100 or maybe just top 50. As far as WWE wrestlers go, he would be top 15. As far as wrestlers go, as far as professional. He would be in the top 50. He wouldn't be in the top 25. Um, this person here asked, uh, what, what, if, what did you think of an Adam Cole was champion for 434 days? Huh? The question was, what did you think of Adam Cole when he was champion for over 400 days? Um, It was a pretty good way. He pretty much held that title title pretty much forever and yeah and he lost the title in a very good way I mean Keith Lee won it and it was a special moment for him yeah I I will say that I, I did enjoy Adam Cole's championship reign I thought it went a little too long because I thought the Velveteen Dream was going to win it but they didn't have it on Velveteen Dream and, yeah. and you know they took it off of him in a great way with Keith Lee and you know, I mean, Adam Cole's done great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person here asked, um, if you could name five superstars right now that Vince should scout to bring to the main roster, who would those five superstars be from NXT? It would have to be Karrion Cross. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Scarlett hasn't made her debut yet, yeah, you know what? Scarlet doesn't have the debut on NXT now that we really think about it. Yeah, Scarlet can go no. to the main monster. <laughs> um, let's see. Let me check the NXT roster because it's go like ahead. most of them, <laughs> like most of them, should really stay on NXT for now. But it's like some well, of them, I can, they should be well, called up. Well, I can name five while you look that up. Um, my five would be Carrying Cross. Santos Escobar. Um, I'm not going to say Bronson Reed because that was like pretty much obvious. Um, but I would say Shotzi Blackheart, Io Shirai, and fifth. Hmm. I wouldn't say Finn Balor because I think Finn Balor would be more better there. Huh. I wouldn't say Gargano because he's got to... Because, I mean, Gargano is probably just best in NXT anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, man. I'd say the fifth. You, you know who I would bring as the fifth? I know this is, like, really early. But Frankie Monet. Because they need women. They definitely <laughs> need women. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they need all the women they can on the main roster. So I just say get Frankie Monet. I mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I actually got Yoshirai as a third one. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, she should be called up, like, probably afterwards. Yeah. Um, 
going to have to say yeah I'm going to have to I'm, they count as a pretty much a tag team but I'll count them as two but yeah I would have to say well, actually actually, no I can't necessarily say Aaliyah and Jessica May could be caught up now because it seems like Frank, they're going to be a stable with Frankie yeah they could I mean I, that 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 that's but but they need women really bad with the main roster. They just need women. They really yeah. need like women really bad. They they don't need as many men. They just need women right now to go forward. Um, because they only got seven women on the SmackDown roster. That's all. So they need to get women on SmackDown more. Yeah. You know, I'll say Shotzi um, as fourth, and mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, not gonna lie. Most of these people, like, it, it really feels like they have to stay on NXT, but. Uh, I'll say. I'll say, um. Didn't I already pick Shotzi? Uh, yes. Oh. What about Santos Escobar? Yeah, sure. Santos Escobar. Yeah, you can also bring um Yeah, you can also bring Wal Mendoza and jo- Joaquin Joaquin Wild yeah, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Brandon um Thruston of WrestleNomics reported that NXT um ratings are down again and they set a new record. Last week they had the lowest rating since moving to Tuesdays and they broke the record again this week for the second straight week. Uh, they had 636,000 viewers. They're down 4.4% from last week. It's the lowest number for NXT um, since the March 17th, which was still aired on Wednesday against Dynamite. 18 to 49 is a 0.3 rating. Um, 0.13 rating. That's down 23.5% from last week. Um, the NBA Eastern Conference Finals did 4.6 million viewers. ESPN also had the College World Series which averaged 1.4 million viewers. Year over year, NXT is down 19.7% in viewership, down 41% in 18 to 49. And Tavon, last year at this time, they were going head-to-head with AEW on night one of their Great American Bash. Mm. Yeah, they are they are losing ratings bad. Mm. And they want to do a breakout tournament. Man, good luck to them in the breakout tournament. Because <laughs> trust me, I tell you, they're going to really have to impress you with some matches. For real. They, they really are because their ratings are and – it's, and it's not going to get more easier because the NBA Finals is still going on and stuff. But the good news is the NHL season is wrapping up. College World Series is wrapping up. So the only big competition they'll have is MLB, which – They'll still lose, but at least you won't be in a disadvantage like Monday Night Raw will have with the NFL, because mm. that's just going to be that's just going to be tough as nails. Uh, this person here asked uh, Tavon, "What was your thoughts when Stone Cold Steve Austin turned heel in 2001?" <laughs> I just saw that 
pretty much just um <laughs> two days ago. Um, yeah, it was. It yeah, it, it was it was something. I know people. I know there have been people that said that the heel turn was bad, which is understandable because Stone Cold was a face, and the fact where he literally shook hands with McMahon and got and drank the beer with them, even though we because like that's that's what made that's that's obvious. Yeah, I'll I'll say this that that heel turn. I, I think it's easily, easily one of the most memorable heel turns ever because, like, because, because the fans, they, they pretty much loved Stone Cold. I mean, he was, he, he was pretty much an awesome character. He was very relatable. The fact that you have this guy that was going to stand up to authority figures, like, but man, I mean, that was just a cool, badass character to, um, Root for, and the fact that he is now friends <laughs> with um, like man, like <laughs> yeah, that pretty much shocked everybody. I mean, <laughs> even Jim Ross. I mean, I, I was just, I was just laughing at Jim Ross because he was like, "My God, Stone Cold has just sold his soul to Satan himself." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was just funny. But I mean, people may have probably said that it was. It that the heel turn didn't necessarily happen to happen because the walk. Well, see, here's the thing: when you really think about it, I mean, Walk and Stone Cold, their feud in 2001 for WrestleMania. You you have to admit, both of them they they were they were faces. Of course, they were the two biggest faces in the company, and even though they weren't necessarily. Nice to most people. I mean, the 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 clear villains were technically Vince, Triple H, Stephanie, Edge, and Christian. The pretty much along those lines, and it's like it's like yeah, Stone Cold and The Rock. I mean, The Rock was a heel once upon a time, and it's like yeah, everybody loved Stone Cold and The Rock. And what makes it, and what makes the um, heel turn even much more memorable and legendary on its own is that if you if you watched Stone Cold versus The Rock for the WWF title, no disqualification match, you you can you can pretty much tell that this is where I get the term home ring advantage for because if if you watch the whole match. Most of the match, the crowd was booing the walk. <laughs> Simply, even though he's a face, because it's like, yeah, he's from, but the thing is, he's not from Texas. He's from Florida, but Stone Cold is from Texas, so there's that. But yeah, um, it was, and while it, things probably would have been the other way around, I mean, it, it, not going on, it was a, a great, a great heel turn. <laughs> it was pretty much shocking. Would would it probably been less worse had he not? Because I have yet to see the wall at the WrestleMania 17. I it did they change his change his own theme song? That's that's probably why that. 
No, no, no. His his theme is still the same theme he had at WrestleMania. Um, and I can actually now give my thoughts on the 2001 Stone Cold Steve Austin heel turn because I, of course, everyone knows Tavon, and you know this here too. 2001 is the golden year for pro wrestling because yeah. it's the year WCW goes to hell. Mm-hmm. It's the year where a lot of people are staying at home for their contracts and everything like that. Yeah, etc. And the oh WrestleMania- yeah, fun fact. Um. During the um Shane McMahon before the Shane McMahon Vince McMahon, like they they showed they pretty much showed the WCW wrestlers and I was like, oh wow, Stacy Keebler is there. <laughs> well, I can actually explain that one too. Okay, so here's what happens: the WCW wrestlers were supposed to help Shane McMahon win that match against Vince. Oh wow! But it was changed the week before when Sean Stasiak literally spoiled the plans of WrestleMania on a radio show. Wow. So that's why WCW got buried out the gate. You can blame Sean Stacey. I wonder Sean what Stacey radio show it was. <laughs> it was. It was some radio show, but I know he got buried, though. And then Sean Stasiak's whole gimmick was he had to be an idiot the entire time during his running. <laughs> so, but they were supposed to get their big pop and everything, and they didn't. So, and then, of course, here's now here's what I can say. Now, the WrestleMania 17 did over a million buys on paper. Yeah. And the next month they have Backlash 2001. That pay per view does less than 300,000 buys. Dang. So, so here's the reason why the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin heel turn is terrible in a lot of ways. For one, they didn't have a babyface prepared. And after yeah, listening to sure, and, true. And, and here's and here's what I've and here's what they've like and and I've watched. And I've listened to Jim Ross talk about this. I've listened to – because Jim Ross is literally the guy that you want to talk to if you ever want to hear about the heel turn of Stone Cold. And and there is an episode that, that I would recommend. Uh, it's on YouTube, free, Grillin' JR, Backlash 2001, where him and Conrad Thompson talk about the night after WrestleMania 17. They actually go into full detail, a 12-minute video. Um, so here's what happens, though. In this whole – premise okay so the night after wrestlemania 17 stone cold is taking on the rock in a steel cage match for the title and triple h is like mad at vince because because like triple h said that he's being screwed so what happens is so then the whole point was supposed to be where triple h and stone cold were going to feud and triple h was going to turn babyface but triple h did not want to turn babyface because he was making a lot of money as a heel steal hmm. merchandise. So that's the reason we got the two-man power trip. The uh, other reason why Stone Cold Steve Austin's heel turn failed is because they kept bludgeonly pushing it and pushing it and pushing it the first four weeks. Because here's what happens here. The Rock has to leave TV because he fills the Scorpion King. And that's what happens uh, right after. So, so, that, so that night in the Steel Cage match, Triple H comes out. And they just beat the hell out of The Rock six ways to Sunday. They screwed him <laughs> out of the championship. Vince comes in the ring in the steel cage. Triple H is in the ring in the steel cage. Stone Cold's in the ring in the steel cage. The two-man power trip is born. So then, of course, the next several weeks, they kill Lita with steel chairs. They just <laughs> they plummet this poor girl with steel chair after steel chair. They don't have any baby faces ready. In fact, the only baby faces they have ready is Kane and Undertaker. And it showed 
why no one didn't care about the pay-per-view because no one didn't want to see Kane and the Undertaker. In fact, Kane and the Undertaker have to win the tag team championships from Edge and Christian. Dang. So, so Edge and Christian get buried on the way. Jeff and Matt Hardy <laughs> are buried on the way. Lita's buried on the way. So then, of course, at the pay-per-view in the main event, the two-man power trip with help of Vince and everything and all the distractions, they beat the Brothers of Destruction. And then that's how they become the tag team champions, the Intercontinental and the WWF champion. And then the and then that's why Stone Cold and then that's why Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho then beat Stone Cold and Triple H because remember Triple H tore his quadricep and that's what happened mm. to where because the plan was the next because the next pay per view they had was the um, it wasn't the insurrection because insurrection was just a judgment day. Okay, so judgment day. I'm I'm on Wikipedia, kind of cheating, so that's why. But on but in the <laughs> judgment day match, Kane beat Triple H to get back his Intercontinental Championship. The Undertaker lost to Stone Cold in the main event for the WWE Championship. The reason Triple H lost his Intercontinental Championship in the chain match against Kane was because Stone Cold didn't help him. But Triple H helped Stone Cold retain his WWE Championship. So they were going to lose the tag team championships anyway to Benoit and Jericho. And then what would happen next is Triple H and Stone Cold would feud at King of the Ring. Mm. And then that's how we would have gotten the long feud between Triple H and Stone Cold for the championship, except Triple H tore his quadricep, so we just had to go ahead and give it to Jericho and Benoit. And they buried the hell out of Jericho and Benoit because here's how I remember – because it, I remember this clearly. Mm. Jericho and Benoit don't even get any wins against Stone Cold. They lose their – they lose singles championship matches on TV because 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 Stone Cold is like, – because and, – and then that's how we got the Vince and Stone Cold hugging because they thought that would pop. They, they were trying to do every kind of way to get Stone Cold over as a heel. But in the meantime, though, Stone Cold was actually really a babyface because he was – because he's hugging Vince. He's giving Vince cookies. He's doing all this stupid <laughs> shit. And what happens is they give you so many WWF championship matches on TV. They gave you one with Chris Benoit on SmackDown for free. They gave you one with Jericho for free on Raw. And Jericho and Benoit always got screwed. They always got screwed out of their championship <laughs> matches. And it's just like – and then the last two weeks, Vince is starting to have like second thoughts about this three-way. So Spike Dudley gets a championship match against Stone Cold <laughs> for no reason. So so it's just nothing but just bullshit on top of bullshit. And then, of course, that's – and then, of course, then the evasion started and then that's where it just really just blew the hell. Because um, <laughs> they, they turned Stone Cold back babyface just to have him then be with the WCW group. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's why Stone Cold Steve Austin's heel run failed because they just gave up. If they had just <laughs> kept going the way they did, it would have actually worked. Because and, – and now they kind of look like idiots. So, so yeah. But mm. Stone Cold though was – yeah, and and remember, and fun fact about that, Stone Cold was actually not going to shake Vince McMahon's hand at WrestleMania because what happened was Stone Cold actually had second thoughts in the match during the match against The Rock. Here's what his thought was: he automatically was getting ready to send Vince back, or just Stone Cold Vince at the end of the show because Austin said, oh, "I had earned wow. back all my heat." And I didn't need to shake his hand. And Austin said he actually regrets doing that. So, mm. 
But Austin told Jim Ross and Vince, I really want to make it as a heel. And this is where Jim Ross came in. And Jim Ross said, do you even have heel tactics that you're going to do? Do you know what you're going to do as a heel? You know you're going to have to wear different clothing. And Vince just told Jim Ross, Jim, we owe it to Stone Cold to try him out as a heel. And that's why Jim Ross backed off on it. But Jim Ross says that he still texts Stone Cold once a week saying, hey, remember when you turned heel, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so so that is actually why – that is actually why um, the, the Stone Cold 2001 heel turn failed miserably. Um, of course – of course – and, and of course The Rock would be back in the summer and they would be back onto their collision course. But it, it was a long time um, of BS though. So um, – yeah. But definitely, though, and our fifth and final question, though, for the 200 mailbag, we'll do some more questions probably on our next show, um, which we'll get into in a minute. But the fifth and final question was, um, who are your top five favorite rappers today? Ooh, top five. Yeah, that's tough. I've heard a lot of good songs. Um, I'm going to have to do it by... Um, Let's see. Not gonna lie, I'm I'm probably just gonna <laughs> random draw them pretty much. Go I would ahead, have to ahead. say number five is cool. <laughs> oh, and most I'll I'll tell you this: most of these songs, I mean, they're prob they're from the like <laughs> NBA 2K21 soundtrack. So yeah, I'm oh, just gonna okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rank them by song. But okay, but. Five is um cool, cool. One of the songs I like of him is "Win." Um, four is um "Diggable Planets." <laughs> cool, like that. Okay. Three is um three is bugging out a tribe called Quest. Two is um. <sighs> Two is um Sky Break the News. I mean Shy. Wait. Yeah. Shy. And number one is um Number one is Way Club They Know Freestyle. Okay. Um my top five favorite rappers right now. Um this is no logical or chronicle order. Uh one's Little Dirk. Two little baby, uh, three Tory Lanes, four Drake, five Boot Bucks Clan. So those are definitely my top five. Um, before we close out of two hundred, some more stuff to get into. Patrick Beverly apologized to Chris Brown, uh, Chris Paul. I don't know why I said Chris Brown, um, but he apologized to Chris Paul. Um, he said emotions got the best of me last night, gang. My bad wasn't meant for you. Congratulations on making it to the finals. Best of luck. So. So people were looking for the Patrick Beverly apology. There you go. I thought Patrick Beverly still played great this series, and I'm not mad about what he did because this is Patrick Beverly, and I've seen Patrick Beverly do this a thousand times. So Reggie Bush um, said that he would like back um, after the name, likeness, and image was were approved. The U.S. the former USC star Reggie Bush has also said that he wants the NCAA to reinstate his records and. He never cheated at the game, and he would like back his Heisman Trophy. I say give it back to Reggie Bush. 
I definitely say he won the Heisman Trophy in 2005. So it's been 16 years. So I say give him back his Heisman. Definitely give him back his Heisman. Um, and also our and also our next show, people, will be Saturday. Um, we will be back Saturday afternoon. Yeah, we'll, let's say. Oh, let me check the weather. Make sure the weather is actually going to be good. Because it was actually supposed to be raining today, Tavon, but. Of mm. course, the weather has not been a problem, so that is actually a good thing, and we are closing up the show anyway, so that's so that's even better. Um, but yeah, we're actually looking pretty good, though, for um, Saturday. So Saturday, we'll be back um, Saturday afternoon around uh, 2 o'clock live on Spotify Green Room, if you'd like to check us out, or um, like most people have been doing, they just watch us uh, later via delay on the Spotify, which airs which pretty much uploads like 30 minutes, like right after. I always upload it like less than 30 minutes right after the show. So that's good. Um, and, and that's good that a lot of people are watching us still. You know, they just don't watch on live. They just watch us on delay, which we have to get better at. But eh, whatever. Um, of course. Um, oh, and hey, uh, breaking news. And this was a story here. This was from Via Hot 97 Radio. This just popped up on my Bleach Report. So that's why I'm just naming off news. Uh the tribal chief isn't looking to reunite with the shield. Roman Reigns says it's a one man show. So he doesn't even want the shield back. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. That is. Oh man. But anyways, though, um, when we come back Saturday for keeping it 200, we will be reviewing the one NBA game. That's the bucks and the Hawks. We don't have to worry about no other NBA games and we'll be reviewing Friday night Smackdown. Also Tavon, we will be reviewing um, the first episode of WandaVision. So, Tavon, that's your homework. Go on Disney Plus, watch the first episode of WandaVision, because we're going to be reviewing that Saturday. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, so, hey, 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 that's a great assignment. And I know you got Disney Plus, so that's why. But, that, but, 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 but we also are going to need some more stuff to talk about, because we're running out of sports people. That's why. So and and I'm not doing no season breaks and all that BS that everybody else does. So um, that's what that's why the show's called Keeping Two Hundred. I mean, I don't see anybody else uh, doing it that I know. But then again, I don't really. Li- Fun fact, you know, Tavon, I don't even listen to any other podcasters really. I listen to yeah. like maybe two or three, but like like for example, like I listen to the Wrestling Is Over Radio with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. That's that's clear, but. Most of it, I don't. You know, I've, I've never listened to um, anybody's podcast that really comes on this show. You know, I, I will now. I will like know about it and make sure to advertise it. But no, I, I'm never even, I'm never even listening to none of their stuff like that. You know, I, ha- I if, if if they told me to for like assignment or something, then yeah, I would. But for the most part, no, no. So sorry, folks, if you are upset by that or anybody that. Thinks that their podcast is that damn great. I'm just not in the mood to listen to other people's podcasts. Because no offense, Tavon. I mean, you do three-hour shows, Tavon. It's you don't want to be listening to another person for three hours, correct? Huh? Exactly. <laughs> so that's, 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 how, that's how you get burnt out. You get burnt out like me and Tavon are. That's that's how it happens. But anyway, so we're getting ready to go into our 200 moment of the night, and it will not be sponsored by Miller Lite tonight. It will actually be sponsored by Bleacher Report Betting. Here's what happens tonight: if you guess the top score between the Hawks and Bucks and how many points total they get, 
and then watch the show at 5.30 for a chance to win a jersey, you can actually win it. So, Tavon, I'm going to go ahead and predict one, and I'm going to have you predict one as well. I predict that Chris Middleton is the top scorer for the Hawks-Bucks game, and I think Middleton has 30 points at home. What about you? Yeah, sure. 30 points at home. Anyways, and, and I forgot to kick off the music, but anyways, we'll we'll play the music. All the strippers came to work, they heard we come. Yes, I'm going to probably leave this bitch if I peep something. Took my with this bitch, you might could be something. It's been blowing up my phone since like three something. I just hit it with okay, I ain't reading nothing. I'm just squeezing on her ass while we in public. I done broke good bitches heart, what side about it? I just got the fuck out my shoes, wasn't mad about it. Count a 20 all in her face, don't ask about it. From the east of Anaheim, she ain't getting gas about it. Well, and I, and I want to mention, Tavon, about that, um, that person that was um, bugging you and stuff, and I'm going to explain. Um, well, what I wouldn't he- say he was more so bugging me. Oh, and one more thing, he pretty much um, <laughs> he pretty much texted me to tell you that one more thing he needed to say to you was suck it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's all right. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. You know, that's what happens. I will say this here, Tavon. When you come on my show and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that to you. You don't, no, I'm not talking down to you. So I'm not going to, so don't take it personal, okay? But I will say, when you come on my show and then you keep begging me to come back and shit, that kind of makes you look weird. No offense. You're 31. Grow the fuck up. Thank you. Mm. No offense. No, no offense, Savon. I don't have time yeah, for 31 yeah, year olds. I, I don't have time for 31 year olds to act like that. No, no offense. And, 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 no, and, no, and no offense, too. You know, the woman I love doesn't even act like that. So come on, man. If you if, if my woman doesn't even act like that, why would you? Um, and here's the reason why I won't bring him back. I don't know why you're acting like a ho-ass bigger and not speak to me when clearly you were in the wrong for what you said. Stop being a bitch and talk. And, yeah, I'm going to keep being a punk-ass bitch and not talk to you. So that's the reason why he does not going to be back on my show because... I don't have time for people and their emotional issues and all that bullshit because, no. Um, I gave him his roses, and he's a good guy and stuff, but you can be the Stephen A. Smith of your wrestling podcast all you want. You're just not going to do it on my show no more. So. And, I've got, and I've got good co-hosts right here in Tavon, and there's no reason to um, – there's no reason to keep bringing on three, four people. There's just not – we don't need three, four people all the time. Three, four people, you know – is going to get annoying after a while anyway. and But, yeah, but that's but that's the reason why I won't bring him back, Tavon, because, you know, 31-year-old that has a 13-year-old mindset. There we go. But, anyways, um, that's all for keeping it 200. Also, today is the anniversary LeBron James signed his four-year, $154 million contract with the L.A. Lakers three years ago. Yep. Yeah, so congratulations to LeBron on that. But anyway, so that's all for keeping it 200. We're going to close out the show with Pure Water by DJ Mustard and the Migos. No masterpiece. Ten bad bitches in the after me. One bad bitch look like a masterpiece. Looking for a dunk like an athlete. Big drip, what you call it? Big drip, big drip. Ice chain, pure water. You got the cab, can't afford it. You got the bad, can't afford it.
And that's all for keeping it 200. Episode 36, I'd like to thank Tavon for coming on. Tavon, you and I will be back Saturday live talking about the one NBA game, SmackDown, and the first episode of One Division. Hope you have a, a great uh, next day off, man, and we will talk to you again next time, everybody. Peace. Peace out.